Welcome, everyone, to a new edition of Draft on Tap with Danny Shaman. I'm going to bring him on quickly. I just want to let you know that tomorrow we've got two shows, uh, Crosstalk, Crosstalk. I'm going to start talking about spring training. Yes, it's baseball season. It felt like baseball season a couple of days ago in Chicago when it was in the 70s, and then it felt like football season. It snowed the next day. Uh, and then after that, uh, a uh, what do we got? Uh, 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 what? There's a show tomorrow afternoon, and I'm forgetting what it is tomorrow evening. Oh, it's the the Willis Twin Tires, and they'll start at 5.30, and they'll take you through their thoughts on the NFL Combine. Oh, oh and, and if you're a fan, uh, fan of Richard Lewis, who the comedian who recently passed away, he uh, is going to be eulogized by Mike North and Joe Mandel on Saturday. So uh, look for that. Best way to stay on top of things, of course, is to subscribe to our Barroom Network channel or get your audio podcast wherever you get your podcast. Uh, Barroom Network will uh, stream to your devices. All right. With that, let me welcome in Danny Shimon. Danny, how are you, my friend? Hey, although I'm, I am, I am tired. I've been scrolling, going, going through a tape. Uh, screwing. Tape You've been screwing. Oh, I've been, been scrolling <laughs> through all these tapes uh, of, of, of defensive players, defensive ends. Obviously, today the combine kicked off. With I haven't mm-hmm. had a chance to see all of the results, but some of them did scroll, scroll through on on Twitter. I did see some of those. So uh, uh, we will obviously we have the guest today to, to talk about him. Jordan will jump on today, and we'll we'll have a discussion with with the defensive ends uh, and edge players uh, for the for the Bears. Scout those guys uh, for tonight's show. But uh, yeah. Uh, this is a this is the time of the year where everything starts ramping up now. Obviously, rumors going out, and in terms of what's going to happen at the top of the draft, and you know, with with player acquisition and all that, so on and so forth. So it's it's the um, it's a busy time of the year, but it's also the best time of the year. So it, it uh, really is. the Bears are more popular and more uh, entertaining in the off season than they are than during the season. So. That's uh, been true for a few years now. Absolutely. Yeah, and as uh, Danny said, uh, in just a few minutes, we'll bring in Jordan Silvera of the Barroom Network. He is going to talk pass rushes with us because that is the main focus of today's show, pass rushes. And there's a ton of them to to look at. Uh, So we'll talk about that briefly. But uh, there was some news that just broke a little while ago on the Football Night in Chicago show that I want to get Danny's thoughts on. This is uh, Josh Rock talking with David Hall about news regarding Justin Fields' trade value and that it may not be what some people have thought it was going to be. Uh, Multiple league sources did tell me the Falcons did make a a preliminary call to check in on uh, on fields and what what a possible compensation package might look like. Uh, David, I think what the Bears are going to find with Justin is that there are very few teams that are going to be interested and that the compensation might end up being a lot less than has been initially reported. I think we might be looking at, you know, a third round pick and maybe a fifth or you get a, a conditional third with uh, that goes up to a two with playtime numbers. You know, uh, I, I, I think there might be some validity to this, Danny, because there is there are so many quarterbacks coming out. And so if the Bears are trying to hold a team, you know, hostage, like for the number one overall pick and get tons of picks, they may not. Uh, other teams may not be agreeable to that. And the same thing with Justin Fields, because there's so many potential good quarterbacks in this draft. And we've got some free agents that could be low cost rentals like a Kirk Cousins and and uh, Russell Wilson is going to cost death next to nothing wherever he plays in 2024. What are your thoughts about Justin Fields trade value based on what you heard there? All right. I got, I got a lot of thoughts. First of all, Kirk Cousins is not going to be low cost. He's going to be, he's going to be 
forty some million, million guaranteed probably a year. So Kirk Cousins will Russell Wilson will be a, will be a low cost of veteran. Yes, I agree with you there. But uh, first of all, like we've said, uh, Greg has said it multiple times, this is a lying season. And and the first thing I think I want to hear that report is is this is the team, whether it's the Falcons or whoever the NFL that it's trying to use the media to to kind of you know say hey you know uh, Ryan Poles, you're asking for way too much way too much here for 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 Justin Fields. You know this is what you what you're going to get now. You and I were talking all the prior to the show where I had uh, someone who works for the NFL who told me that that if, mm-hmm. if polls is is um, is astute, he would he would take you know, a, a, a date, you know, a, a third round pick or, or a fourth round pick this year and then next year's pick, make it a second round pick with conditions. Right. Similar to the conditions that, for example, the Packers had with with the Jets. Right. If, if, if Aaron Rodgers played a certain amount of uh, snaps or whatever it was, the incentives there, that would become a first round pick. They, the, the Jets or the Packers first round pick. Well, Aaron got hurt. I know four snaps into the series so that that Packers were able to or Jets were able to keep their first round pick. So uh, similar to its package here, the guy told me that if he gets a third or fourth round pick this year and then next year he gets a second round pick with packages incentives that based on Justin's performance and if they make the playoffs and wins and all that stuff could kick up into a possible first round pick. That could be a way to go. You know, it might be, you know, a, a third round pick this year and a third round pick next year with incentives to be a second round pick. So who knows, but you, you can get creative with it. But I, you know, the first thing I think of is a, there are, you know, th- th- this is just a, one of the NFL teams trying to work, you know, work through the media. Um, but you know, if I'm Ryan polls, what I'm trying to do out there is I'm, I'm trying to draw as many people to the table as I can, whether it's, you know, the Patriots, the Steelers, the Falcons, you know, and, and I was talking earlier, although there's always a team that lurking out there that we just don't know, you know, could be interested in, in Justin. Right. So, uh, you know, this is all, you know, ploy and negotiation ploy, in my opinion. And, and I think I think if 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 they come out of this trade with for Justin with with a second and a fourth, I think that's a, that's a good, good return. If they come out with, with a third and, and like I said, a conditional possible second round next next year, I could, I could be a possible good return as well. So we'll see what happens. But I, at this point, I just take it all a grain of salt. Because uh, there's a lot of things flying around at the JW Marriott in, in Indianapolis, so we just got to see what what actually you know sticks to the wall and what comes to fruition. It does feel you know based on the reports coming out of the combine and you know just overall speculation that there is momentum for the Bears keeping the number one overall pick and drafting Caleb Williams. What's your gut sense of that? Yeah. I think I think that's the way we've been leaning, right? We've been talking about it here since since you know our you know, week one of the draft on tap. I think with the, in my opinion, with with the way that they constructed this this offensive staff, you know, they brought in the the installation, they brought in the extra, you know, uh, um, you know, coaches to be able to to take in a, a rookie quarterback and develop him. So my my only question in, with with in terms of the first of all pick is, you know, whether Caleb Williams would be able to you know satisfy you know, the bears and, and polls and, and company in terms of the, his character issues. The, the questions that people scouts had beginning of the year that I talked about openly here on, on our, on our airs here said that there's questions about his, this kid in terms of, you know, is it, he's more of a me versus we, you know, a mentality and, and so on and so forth. You know, will, will they, will they follow him, you know, in terms of a, a, a third, you know, a men who have families and kids to feed, will they follow this kid who thinks, you know, he's already made, you know, like, what is it? 10 to 12 million on NIL deals already, you know, so this is a kid that, that has a lot of questions off the football field. So, you know, he, I know he came out and, and made his first public statement on the record with, with Pete Thamel for the ESPN and, 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 you know, everything sounded, 
Perfect, right? Sound of what you want to hear, right? He he's talking about he'll go play for wherever attacks him. We'll, he talked about you know Chicago in terms of you know the the, uh, the icons here and, and Michael Jordan and Walter Payton. And I think you know he's playing to the to the audience of the crowd. He's he's a smart kid, and I, I think that that's you know that's all good and well and said. No, but he's got to go in there now and and, and prove to polls and Eberflus and the rest of that staff that you know he's a guy you can trust and he's a guy you can. But having said all that, if that if he comes through and says hey you know what they believe him and they trust him. To me, it's it's Caleb Williams is, is got to be the the first pick in the first pick in the draft, and not that he doesn't have issues or warts or doesn't have things he has to work through, right? Um, and I, I think I've seen reports today where, where some are saying Jaden Daniels could be the first offer. And and remember, I I, I was the one that said that Jaden Daniels was going to go ahead of Drake May in our first show with our, our first guest JP Acosta, and I told him I said I think he was Drake May was his top card. I said Jaden Daniels is going to go ahead of Drake May with this all said and done. And and Daniels mm-hmm. has good tape. You watch Daniels tape. I mean he he's got some stuff on tape. And, and it talked about you know playing it within the structure of an offense. Talk about being in balance in, in the pocket and always being ready to, to throw the football. Daniels has that. You know he has he had elite weapons on the outside. He had you know this tremendous season the last year. Uh, but that body frame that really does concern me, and, and I and, and we'll see what he weighs in at. But even if he's a two hundred five, he's just really really thin. And and I know he's he's done a good job of staying healthy in the SEC. And prior to that, was Pac twelve. But it's this is the NFL, and even guys like Justin Fields, who's 6'3", 230 pounds, hasn't played a full season yet, right? So mm-hmm. if you're going to be a quarterback that runs now, Jaden doesn't have to run. He is just electric running runs with the football. So that's a part of his game you don't want to take away. But you also have to coach him up. Having said all that, Caleb Williams though doesn't have the height that the Jaden Williams, Jaden Daniels has, but he's got the ability to make those off-platform throws. The the ability, his his release is lightning quick. And what I've seen with with Caleb that I haven't seen with any other quarterback so far that I've scouted is his ability when he when he puts a ball down and he, and he tries to run out of the pocket and and was looking downfield, his ability to to reload and get rid of that ball in in a, in a millisecond is is elite and, and that's the one trait that i like about him is he's got the elite quick release um you can make all the throws now he's also a guy that a lot of caleb williams he's a lot of his play is outside broken plays off platform stuff in terms of structure in the in the offense he doesn't do a great job of being structured in the offense you know Jaden daniels has a leg up on him in that part in terms of playing through the offense hitting timely throws you know there's times you see jay uh, I've, I've sent you a couple of clips although where caleb williams Takes a look at the guy at slant route, wide open, doesn't throw it for a reason. Same things that we've been complaining about Justin doing here in the last couple of years. Doesn't throw it, looks off of him for whatever reason, and then takes off with the football. So he does a lot of stuff with with the you know, you know um, non-scripted stuff that he does well at. But I'm just, all I'm saying is Kelp's talent, his ability is release, his arm talent, uh, ability to, to find that that last second you know release valve in terms of receiver. That I think is and and in the, in the, in the all the all of um, the multiple seasons he had of success and, you know, for USC and then also going back to Oklahoma, you know, Jane only had, Jane only had won that one year this past year where he won the Heisman trophy. So I, I think if you're a number one, you're going to stick a number one. Don't, don't overthink it. Go with, with Caleb Williams. I think that he's a consensus number one pick um, amongst 32 teams. Well, before we turn our attention from, uh, uh, the pass rushers are going to be sacking quarterbacks potentially for the Chicago Bears. Let me bring in Jordan to get his thoughts on um, anything that Danny said regarding the quarterback position. I, I know you must be disappointed he didn't bring up J.J. McCarthy. <laughs> oh, good evening, fellas. No, you know, I know Danny's not uh, the biggest fan of J.J. McCarthy. I actually thought 
and, and it's certainly fine. We all like our different flavors of quarterbacks. I thought where I disagree with Danny most is I'm not the biggest Jaden Daniels fan. I, 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 I see, I, I would agree with you in some ways, Danny. I think he does play within the offense. It was a more pro style offense than what Lincoln Riley ran. Uh, but I also saw a guy that was late on throws, uh, didn't throw a lot over the middle. As soon as he felt a little bit of pressure, he'd take off running. And I heard you say something like, you know, he doesn't need to run. And certainly I would agree he doesn't need to, but that's his favorite tool is that the moment that he finds that he feels a little bit of pressure, those eyes drop and he's looking to create and he's fantastic at it. But boy, does he take shots. And to your point, I know J.J. McCarthy, one of your flaws with J.J. is the size. Jaden Daniels, I have more concerns about that because the kid's 24, 25. There's not enough room to grow into that frame. J.J. McCarthy has a little bit of a, a leeway there, if you will. But um, I think that's where I would say I disagree. I'm not a, I, I, Drake May is my quarterback one, and we can certainly talk to that. But uh, Jaden Daniels is my quarterback four in this class. Very good. All right. We, we'll talk about quarterbacks more on future shows. Uh, so we'll get the, both your thoughts on what has uh, transpired there uh, with your feelings. I want to get to the pass rusher situation. Now, I got to admit, I made a, a little bit of a mistake. You know, uh, Danny, when he puts his list together, are always uh, players that he tries to find fits for in the Chicago Bears defense. And then when I asked uh, uh, Jordan to come up with his top ten list, he said, "Well, you know, I could do it this way or I could do it that way." And I said, "Do it however you want." And so Jordan has given us two different lists. One is an edge rusher and a 3-4 odd, odd front, and one is the traditional uh, four-down lineman defense event. So I've got both of those lists, and I've got a list for, for Danny. I, I just want you guys to talk amongst yourselves about the differences in a 3-4 front and a 4-3 defense, because on Danny's list, he's got players that are on your 3-4 uh, 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 list, Jordan. So I'm wondering, are you excluding these these uh, three, four uh, edge rushers uh, from being a member of the Chicago Bears? No, by no means. I mean, and I'll give you an example, and I wouldn't be surprised if Danny had him as a 4-3. I had Chop Robinson as a 3-4 backer. Um, and it's not a scenario where I can't see a guy like Chop Robinson playing for the Bears in a 4-3 front, but he's got a very specific role that I don't think, and this is the way I kind of did my rankings, I don't think that his skill set is maximized as a weak defensive end in a 4-3. I think he'd be better as a jack linebacker in a 4-3, or excuse me, in a 3-4. Yeah, and for me, I, I, I'm with you there, Jordan, as well. And and when I put the list together for for uh, for this for this segment in terms of the, the the top 10 edge rushers, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but after the, the you know top three or four guys, I mean, and I, I'm I'm searching, I'm searching for for guys with traits, guys that can that can fit the scheme, whether it's length, whether it's whether it's speed off the edge, and 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 we all, and you know, I've I've come to the conclusion in the last couple of drafts said that Iberflus likes long, rangy, athletic defensive linemen. Whether they're inside guys, they're outside guys, they gotta got the, they have to have the ideal height, they got the ideal length. Uh, obviously, you know, the edge guys, he wants them, you know, power, power guys, speed guys. And so I went into this, this exercise saying, all right, we know he likes those. So I'm trying to find, you know, true defensive ends, but I, but I, I'm not looking for power guys specifically. I, I was looking for more twitchy, fast edge guys. And, and it, it's hard to find, like I said, we'll go through a list and the, up, other than my top three or four guys, I mean, it's, it's now I'm starting to pick and choose. And then, so then I started going to guys like chop Robinson, where, his, his his forte is is pass rushing, right? He's he's not going to be a hand in the ground defensive end, a, a four down or three down defensive end. So what does he bring? He brings, and that's what I was looking for. I was looking for a speed guy, a twitched up 
again, opposite of Montez Sweat, because Sweat gives you that power, that length that you're looking for, and that base end, a power end. Now you need some speed opposite of Montez Sweat, and that's why guys like Chop Robinson and some of the other guys we'll, we'll get into here, you know, the guys that other teams will that run odd man fronts are looking at as outside linebackers. I'm saying, all right, can these guys be situational pass rushers? Because like you said, with Iberflus, what, 65 to 70% of the time, they're in nickel defense anyway, right? So that's where, you know, these guys can come in off the edge and just, just run after the quarterback. So and the thing about Chop, we'll get into it, is, is I like his versatility in terms of where you can line him up anywhere up and down, up and down that line of scrimmage, just kind of like a Micah Parsons, if you will, where he can rush from A gap or rush from the, from the you know, from the C gap, so on and so forth. So, well, we'll get into it. But that's, it's for me, uh, after I went through my list, I said, you know, if, if the Bears don't go one of these edge rushers, top three guys in that, that number nine pick, I mean, they they probably should address this position in, in free agency is, is what I'm I'm thinking here. Yeah. It's fine to hear you say that, Danny, and I'll be very quick, although I just think uh, I, I think the thing that we probably find common ground on, Danny, is that uh, this specific class and to Aldo's point about how did I kind of put those in each list, I actually thought that so many of these guys were tweeners, not necessarily in body size or body weight, but I thought, boy, this guy – honestly could play four, three, three, four. Um, but to your point, and I think the chat knows this, this isn't the strongest edge class. So it, it left a lot on the bone with a lot of these guys where I'm projecting a lot and not feeling great about a lot of them. Right. Same way. I'm just projecting and, and, and thinking like, what well, this is what the, this, this coaching staff likes. This guy doesn't give him that, but he gives him this. It's so close. this might yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's take a look at this list. At number one on the uh, traditional 4-3 uh, – oh, I'm sorry, I put the wrong one up. Uh, I got a lot of lists going on here. Here it is. This is Jordan uh, and the odd front, the 3-4 outside linebackers. He's got Dallas Turner, and as you caught a glimpse there uh, – Danny also had at number one, Dallas Turner. So I'd like you guys to discuss what it is you like about Dallas Turner and what could be his potential flaws. But specifically, I want to know how he fits into the Chicago Bears defense and how perhaps he might have some challenges with the Bears. Jordan, why don't you start first? You're our guest. Yeah, I think uh, to me, Dallas Turner, exactly as you're seeing there is edge one. I see him much more as a Jack linebacker, kind of that Leo role, if you will, in a three, four. Uh, you're talking about just the, the frame right there is, I mean, he's rocked up. He looks great. Good, good, good body, but it uh, doesn't have necessarily the bulk that I think the Bears would be looking for. Um, and also hasn't shown a ton of experience with his hand in the ground getting after it. He played that Jack role for Saban's defense. And uh, to me, he's a guy that possesses incredibly long arms. We saw that today in the measurables. I mean, that allows him to use that long arm, get into an offensive tackle's chest. And he's got plenty of power behind his punch to where he's able to drive offensive tackles back on their heels, put them on skates, which is great. But I think that inherently you see – kind of that immature game, for lack of a better word, in the sense where I don't see a huge pass rush plan for him. I see a lot of effort. I see strength. I see athleticism. But I don't see a refined rusher. And so I think when we're talking about Dallas Turner, you're doing a lot of projection to what he can be. And, I mean, I know you're not asking for it, Aldo, so I won't give it just yet. But, I mean, as far as that that point to the, to the projection of a prospect, that's why I do have Dallas Turner as my edge one because I think that – if he ends up maximizing his potential and skill set, um, the player he can become is immense. Yeah, and for me, Jordan, I, you know, he's a he's a hybrid player. He's a guy that for me can play a four three end and and a three four end. Maybe not this year in terms of a hand in the ground, you know, down end down on a four three end. But I think you talked about that frame. Right, he's six three two forty seven with a thirty four plus inch arm length. I think that's where this 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 staff would like that that, that length there. 
right? He's athletic. He's 247, but I think his frame isn't maxed out, meaning that he could probably add another five to 10 pounds and not lose the athletic ability. So you're looking at a guy that's at anywhere between that 250, 260 range. Now you're looking at a guy that's more of a traditional defensive end in the 4-3. I think that's where I'm projecting him here as, as, as a future bear if the Bears go ahead and choose him. And, and just the, the athletic ability, right? The, you know, we talked about that, the arm length. We talked about that first step quickness, his ability to get off the line of scrimmage, um, solid off-field first step, and that's what I, I like to see. Um, again, you know, very again plays long. I like the fact that he that he uses his his length to go ahead and press the offensive lineman, you know, get him off his off his chest, and then be able to kind of use some of that speed to power conversion and walk them back into the into the backfield. And and in, uh, in terms of his run defense as well, which so surprised me, I like the the, the half man technique where he uses that again that that length to keep them in, you know, kind of kind of at bay here on the side and uses other arm free arm to kind of set that edge as a run defender as well. So projecting him with that athletic ability, well, you know, with this production the last couple of years at, at, at Alabama, I think he's the guy that you can come in and, and utilize him as a four, three end, similar to what Will Anderson did last year with, with Houston, where they play a traditional, you know, four, three defense, but, you know, they use him in situations where they put him in stuff where, where he could, you know, maximize his talents. And I think, you know, that first step quickness, that length, and ability to kind of be a nice complement opposite of Montez Sweat is what gave Dallas Turner that 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 overall you know uh, top billing on on my end. He's not my personal favorite edge player in this draft. We'll get to that guy later. But in terms of what you know, scouting for the Bears and, and putting him with my my mindset, you know, looking for a defensive end opposite of Montez Sweat for this particular coaching staff and what they like to do, Dallas Turner got top billings for me. Yeah, you know, uh, the whole issue with Dallas Turner's weight was addressed at his press conference at the NFL Combine because it has fluctuated. He talked about that here. The weight journey at Alabama was crazy. Uh, you know, uh, coming in, I was 260 pounds, but that was a, a COVID-19, 260 pounds. So, you know, uh, but, you know, I fluctuated, played at my freshman year at 240, uh, my, my sophomore year at 245. And uh, my junior year at 255, but you know, uh, probably the best way I had was probably my my junior year. Uh, that's probably the best way I can move at for real, for real. And you know, I felt kind of powerful and stuff like that. And like, you know, compared to the 225 my freshman year by the end of the season, you know, and the 255 I had my junior season, you know, it was a, I, I could tell the difference for sure in the strength, the power, and the explosiveness and stuff like that. But you know, uh, it felt good playing at 255 my junior year. So I feel like that could open up a lot of versatility, and whatever defense, whatever type of scheme I'm in. So. 255 is the weight that he wants. He thinks is ideal for him because of his explosiveness is at top rank. Danny, what do you think? Yeah, that's what I said. I said, you know, he's at 247 right now at about 10 pounds. He's going to be at 255, 257. So I think that that's, he's a guy who can carry that, that extra 10 pounds of muscle without losing that explosive first step and, and without, you know, gaining more, more strength, if you will, at, at the point of attack and, and being even more productive as, as a more of a traditional four, three defensive end. Very good. Jordan, any final thoughts on Dallas Turner before we move on? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that you're seeing there, too, is, and this is, I'm sure, across Danny's mind, when you're talking about taking Dallas Turner, I mean, I, I think the one thing that you can rest your head easy at night is knowing that you're getting a consummate professional before he even gets on into your team. I mean, Nick Saban coaches him up well. You know he's ready for an NFL weight program, NFL-type schedule, hard practices, and uh, I, to me, I think, you know, I, I see Tooch, Tooch is kind of alluding to it there. Khalil Mack was 250. Um, that's actually my, my – and I understand it's a very lofty comp, but when we're talking about edge one in a class, um, this is where I think he can get to. Khalil Mack is actually my my professional comp, uh, comparison for, for Dallas Turner. I see the same guy where kind of coming out kind of raw, um, but exudes extreme quickness off that first step and just jolts, tackles back with his hands. Um, and with that strength, with that frame, that power – um, kind of has exerts his will, um, if you will, on those tackles. And I know that 
probably what Danny uh, found himself endearing about Dallas Turner as well. All right, let me uh, flip-flop over to Danny's list at number two. He's got Jared Verse. Is this your favorite pass rusher, Danny? <laughs> no, believe it or not, he's not my favorite pass rusher in this class. Uh, he's a guy that I've been eyeing the entire season, though. Uh, dating back to last year, I, I thought last year if he came out, he had solid, solid late first round grade for me. But he surprised and came, he went back to Florida State. Uh, but you know, with Verse, what, what he is is he's, he's a first of all, he started off at Albany, he transferred to, to Florida State, and he played the last two years there. Um, this is a guy that at 6'3, 254. Uh, with 33 and a, and a half inch arm, like doesn't have the 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 physique and, and the size and length that they per se would want, and and a four three end going back to they being Ibuflus and his staff, but but he's got the four five nine forty, he's got the one six ten yard split, he's got that that first you know step quickness, he's got some twitch in his body, and he's a powerful man. This is a man that that he's a power rusher. He's a guy that. That will get after the quarterback. He's relentless, and that and that accent of his uh, is his game. You can see it in, in terms of his effort, his, his his max effort all the time. He's a guy that will chase, per, pursue backside. He'll he'll, he'll pursue downfield, and we talk about that hits principle. This is a guy that that will, that will make you know Eberflus flush in terms of that hits principle. Uh, you know, again, that quickness off off the edge, and he's, he's not a guy that's bendy. Or is not twitched up, right? We saw that in his three cone. He got the seven three one three cone. That that you know adheres to the to the fact that he's not a, a twitched up guy with 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 great bend around the edge. But what he does do is he uses he's a power rusher. He's a guy that uses his his arms, his his, his strength, his, his physique. There it goes and gets into that into the offensive lineman and then it rolls his way into the into the quarterback. And I, he does have again some good you know, first step quickness and an ability. Once he turns that corner, he flattens to the quarterback and he comes comes with authority. So he's a guy that's very productive. Had nine sacks the last two seasons at, at Florida State. You see there he's struggling there with, with, with that drill. That that really shows the lack of, of ankle flexibility there. So that that shows some of that, that lack of bend to, to turn that corner. But when he does get around that that tackle using some of that power, some of his you know um, um, use of hands, he's a guy that, that flattens quickly to the quarterback and he brings brings uh, the quarterback down with authority. And again, I love his motor. I love his athletic ability overall. Jared was asked about what's he most proud of, uh, and he said it was his development uh, in college. It was my development. You know, I, I feel like I was a good player. I was big, strong, fast, but it was the small things, the technical things, the little details, the minute details that, you know, it wouldn't matter in college football, but, you know, when you're in the NFL, when you're going up against 10-year vets, it's going to matter. You know, like I said uh, before, like, you know, the size tittle of your hand, you know, the little bit more of a lean forward, what's your offhand doing, you know, even just becoming better at the top of my rush, you know, hip flip, my hands, everything like that, just becoming better as a player. I love it when players uh, self-scout themselves and talk about what they've done and haven't done and so forth. Here's an interesting thing for you, Danny, is that number one on Jordan's list for a 4-3 even front is Jared Verse. Jordan, what do you think? This is honestly the only edge rusher I would consider at number nine if the Bears were to stick and pick at number hmm. nine. Um, he's the guy that I think fits the Chicago Bears defense um, to a T. I'm with Danny, and on a personal preference, I would prefer a speed rusher, but I think everything that you've seen Matt Eberflus and this Chicago Bears defense look for is pocket crushers, if you will, people that are strong, powerful, strong side defensive ends, and they went and got one in Montez Sweat, and I don't think they're averse to the idea of, and no pun intended, to a Jared verse on the other side, um, being able to really, to that same point, get, all, get out of his stance, shoot out low, and then drive his hands into tackles. I mean, 
you obviously played the clip there where he had an offensive tackle so far back on his skates, he ended up getting the sack off of it by just mm -hmm. walking that tackle back. And really the key difference between Verse and Dallas Turner to me is it's in the refinement as a pass rusher. You see much more advanced hand usage with Jared Verse. And Danny really hit on it. And this is one of my favorite things about Jared Verse is it's not that Dallas Turner doesn't have this, but I just think Jared Verse exudes it on a play-by-play -play basis, which is just that inherently his motor runs as hot as it gets. You see him get after it play after play after play. Um, and he's the type that'll tire an offensive tackle down as the game goes on. And his his you can tell, I mean, obviously it's just a clip, but his mind is sharp in, and attuned to the things that he does and the way that he develops a rush plan that I think you see that on a rep by rep basis. And uh, it's why I have him as, you know, the guy for me if you wanted a defensive end for Chicago Bears at number nine. Uh, it was interesting that during the Combine, uh, their uh, NFL Network's broadcast, there was a, a comp to him and Will Anderson. I'm trying to find the graphic. that. Oh, here it is. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah said that Will Anderson, who was drafted uh, about second or third or fourth uh, last year, and Jared Verse, their DNA is almost exactly the same. They're almost the same height, almost exactly the same weight. The arm length is, again, almost exactly uh, the same. And the 40-yard dash, they will run exactly the same. How uh, impressive, Danny, do you find these numbers? Ah, you're you're muted. Uh, my mic was – I pulled an Aldo. My mic was muted. Uh, <laughs> uh, put, put five bucks in that jar for me there, Aldo. Yeah, I got uh, it. <laughs> so this, this is a great comp. What I was, was saying is is because, again, with Will Anderson last year as well, you know, he was not that twitchy, you know, uh, 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 edgy, you know, twitchy, bendy guy off the edge. He was more of a power rusher, a guy that that would come off, you know, using his athletic ability, his, his, his length, and, and be able to just pull, pull his, you know, his way into the backfield. And I think, you know, he had seven sacks, was defensive rookie of the year. I think you use him and put him in a situation where he can utilize his strengths. I think that's the same thing with, with, with Jared first. Now, you know, I, I was out, I'm, I'm out looking for speedy, twitchy edge rushers. But again, this class, it's very, very limited in terms of finding those, you know, perfect fits with, with, with Montez Sweat. So, you know, bringing a guy that, that like verse that, has some edge, has some twitch, but not the bendability that I was looking for. Uh, but has that power, the motor that we were talking about. I think would be a nice compliment. It wouldn't be the ideal compliment, but I think it would be it'd be a nice. And again, I agree with Jordan in terms of in terms of the guys so far we've talked about uh, between him and Dallas Turner. He is the the poor typical four three defensive end, if you like. All right. Well, let's see who Jordan has at number two on his three four front to see if we've got a speed rusher. There it is. Not. Yeah, this is the odd front. Laetu Latu. Tell me why he is on your odd front at number two. Yeah, I, Aldo, Aldo, to me, I think that, you know, certainly I, I, if I'm wrong, Danny, I'd love to know, but I think this is probably your favorite edge to watch, and it's it's hard to deny it. Watching a lot, a lot too, on film uh, is a joy because you're watching arguably the most refined rusher I've seen in probably quite some time. I mean, I can't even think of a guy that's come into the league with as deep of a toolbox in his pass rush plan. He's got good size, 6'4", um, a little light in the pants to me, not not dramatically, but I think that he can get moved around in the run game a little bit. Um, but you like the player that you're getting um, as a technician. I think where Danny and I are probably going to be very different on this player is I don't see the ceiling with him the same way that others do. I worry about, and I'm not even talking about medically. I'm just talking about I think that I see a maxed out player. Um, he's not an exceptional athlete. He's fine. He's good. 
Um, but he doesn't have incredible length. Doesn't have. I mean, his, his bend is solid. Um, but I don't see an, an impeccable athlete that operates in a way that allows him to have an, a maximum ceiling that, you know, you're, you hear me talking about with the Dallas Turner, for example. Um, and again, we haven't even talked about medicals. That's a whole other issue. But um, certainly to me, I, I think that you see a guy here that is winning on my board for what he is today. And there's less guesswork in the projection, but it also means I'm less excited about him. Danny, your thoughts on a lot too. Yeah, and this, Jordan, you're right. This is my favorite pass rusher or edge, edge player, I should say, in, in, in this entire draft class. And he's been the guy for, for me for, for a couple months now. And and then the thing I like about him is, is some of the things you already touched on, right? The the technique. This guy is a technician with his hands. And, and you talked about, you can remember the last guy that came out. Well, for me, the last guy that came out that, that hit this type of uh, you know advanced you know, usage as, as a college, collegiate uh, edge rusher was Joey Bosa. You know, so that, that's that's how far back you go with a guy that, that can use his hands and get leverage, get inside. You know, he's a guy that can win on and win on the outside, win on the inside. Uh, you know, again, another guy that that's got that that motor that doesn't stop. Obviously, for me, you know, the, the, the big concern with, with particularly with the staff. Um, besides the medical, right? The medical, I think we touched on in the previous, you know, previous shows. If we haven't, for a real quick, real key recap, uh, Latu started at the University of Washington, played for two seasons, and then had a, a neck injury. Five doctors from the University of Washington uh, failed him, told him he had to retire or he's, he's going to you know, risk a chance of paralyzing himself. Took a year off. I, play, I believe he played rugby, if I'm not mistaken, for a year, and then and ended up come back, transferred to UCLA. And he's been he's been lights out. He's been healthy. Uh, he's at 23 some some sacks in the last two seasons. It, you know he's got 35 and a half tackles for losses. I mean this is the guy that affects the, the both the run and the pass. But again, he's not a big, super athletic freak. He's just he's just a guy at 6'5", 260 pounds. You know um, you know a, a, that's a, 200, a 32 and a 5'8 arm length, which I think would or could be an issue for the staff because I talked about earlier they like the size, they like the length. But if you go back and just watch his tape, watch the production he's had the last two years of USL, this guy has been unblockable. So, you know, if you're talking about a, a true, you know, uh, edge, edge rusher, a guy that can come off the edge and, and be a guy. Now, I, I know Jordan has him as a three-fourth linebacker. I don't think he's that for me because of the fact that Jordan touched on it. He's not the athletic type. So I think he doesn't – and having him drop back in coverage could be an issue for him for a three-fourth linebacker team. But what I'm talking about with the Bears is – we said earlier, right? 65, 70% of the time they're playing nickel. So if you bring this guy in as, as your nickel edge rusher, a guy that can come in on, on third downs or, or, or passing situations and use that ability that he has, that great ability to rush a passer, that's where he could be effective. That's where he could be a nice compliment to Montez Sweat. Now, if you're in your base situation, you got Marcus Walker, you have, if you bring in another veteran like Rasheem Green or something like that, that can, he can play your base end. And then you can bring a lot to him to be your pass rusher. So for me, the advanced hand usage, the, the technician that he is as a pass rusher and, and the production he's had the last couple of years, you know, minus the medicals, I, I'm assuming that all clears up. Um, you know, that's why he's my top pass rusher. Not sure he, this, this staff is going to like him because of the, because of the arm length issue that I talked about, but we'll see what happens. But yeah, I, I also don't think he's a guy that's worthy of, actually, I don't think none of these guys are worthy to be honest with you of the ninth overall pick if we're going there. You know, I think, I think these are guys you can maybe trade down and, and get, whether it's, Maybe Turner's in that area. Maybe, you know, you, you just have to kind of talk me into it. But for me, if, if, if the ninth overall pick, if, if, I'm, if it's the way it is right now, it's either got to be a receiver or one of those offensive linemen. Latu said that he met with the Chicago Bears and that uh, he really enjoyed the meeting. 
they had him throw darts. I guess they, you had a choice between putting and, and throwing darts, and he it was a very relaxed uh, environment. So he, he walked away very impressed. At the press conference, one of the things he talked about when he was asked was, uh, you know, he was asked, what is what is your strength? It's my bending ability uh, at the top of the rush, being able to gander those uh, tackles and making it hard for them to counter back and um, block me at the top of the rush. So, uh, Jordan, he, he would disagree with you, I guess. <laughs> I, to be fair, although I think that's probably the, his one ace in his toolbox is his bend. Okay. Outside of that, doesn't have exceptional length. I To, to the point of why I have him as a 3-4 backer is, I'll mm-hmm. give you a good example. If you watch Nick Bosa on any given play, and I know we're talking about a top edge, look at the way he, he – first off, just look at the way he lines up in his stance. It looks like a cheetah getting ready to burst out of his stance. You don't see that burst from Latu because he's not that type of athlete. And my point, and again, he doesn't particularly defend the well exceptionally well, run, excuse me, defend the run exceptionally well, which is why I don't think the Chicago Bears and Matt Eberflus will be keen to a guy like Latu. And so when you ask that guy to put his hand in the dirt and play the run and also get upfield when he doesn't have exceptional burst, that's where I, I look at a guy like, why not stand him up in the two-point stance, let him use those hands from a from a, a advanced position um, where he is dictating the terms of engagement and he already is in a position to bend. Um, so that's why, particularly, I have him more in that three-four role as opposed to have a, you know a hand in the dirt. The Thirty-four tackles for loss, Jordan, last two years. There's no denying. And for what it's worth, I do think this is important to, to touch on. Is as far as the medical, I I'm not saying it doesn't matter, and it's certainly going to play a role. I think you're going to see that, but I'm not particularly worried about the medical. He's done two two good years of football, and if we're being honest, any player can get hurt with a career-ending injury on any given play. Um, so if you like the guy and he fits what you're looking for, absolutely. There's no denying the the production, Danny. I just think that. When you consider what he provides for the Chicago Bears specifically, it's not it for me. A couple of things with the with that with the medical. What was important there, um, Jordan, is 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 the, the contract, right? Because you know you'll get him for for um, probably a, a five year contract, but is he going to be healthy enough to get a second contract? Right. This similar things came up with Miles Jack when he came out of UCLA in terms of not the same same injury, but type of you know, type of uh, I forgot what his issue was, but you know he never made it to a second contract, unfortunately. So. Uh, you know, that's the thing is like, it's, it's, you're investing a high pick on, on a, on a kid. And that's why I don't think he's going to go in the top 10. That's why I said, you know, none of these guys for me is, is a top 10 pick right now. I, I think I dropped down middle the middle to late first round, if I can get one of these guys there, but uh, you know, that, that, that medical in terms of him getting to a second contract is something you have to, you have to worry about. And yeah, to, com- compared to Bosa, Bosa was a, what the second or third pick in the draft, obviously Bosa's you know, athletic traits and his ability is, is, are, are, you know, much higher and, and much, you know, to a different level than, than Latu. But, you know, comparing this kid to, to Bosa, I think it's unfair. Um, you know, again, Bosa was the third pick and second pick in a draft, I believe it was. And this kid, we're talking about, you know, mid, mid first round. But just in terms of this class, I think what the Bears need is a pass rusher. He's he's the best pure pass rusher of the, of the entire group. You did not. All all <laughs> it's another five bucks. Is <laughs> your five back and I put my five in. <laughs> um, for what it's worth, Greg Gabriel uh, said that um, – it was Stacy Dales of NFL Network reported that it was spinal fusion in the neck area, and that that typically is not a major concern for NFL teams as 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 long as the surgery was done correctly. So, um, and again, like you guys have said, the guy has played the last two years, so it's, it's probably looking good that uh, he's going to be cleared by NFL doctors. And when he was at the podium yesterday, he said that he had no scheduled medical tests, which I was shocked by. Um, so I guess he's going to have a multiple medical tests uh, when he visits these teams. 
All right, moving on. Uh, Danny, at number four on your pass rush list, you've got Darius Robinson. And I apologize to the Missourians uh, for misspelling Missouri. <laughs> Tell me about Darius Robinson. Yeah, we, we've talked about this guy, it seems like, ever since the, the Senior Bowl, right? This is the guy that came out there at, at the Senior Bowl and just just kind of wrecked havoc that whole week and, and just put on a show. Uh, you know, his measurables came in at 6'5", 285 pounds with 34 and, and, and a half-inch arms. So he's got that that size, that that prototypical length you look for in, in a traditional 4'3", in, in, in the ground defensive end, hand in the ground defensive end. You know, three-year starter at Missouri, you know, a, a first-team All-SEC this past year. Um, you know, this is a guy that, that, in my opinion, could could be uh, you know, scheme versatile. He's a guy that can play defense, like I talked about, defensive end in, in a traditional 4-3. I think you can line him up as an outside linebacker in a 3-4. I think he's got that type of athletic ability. Uh, and I also think you could kick him inside. I think that's probably that's probably his best position in the future is kicking him inside on, on third downs and, and making him an interior uh, three technique on, on, on passing situations. So, but I mean, tall, muscular, athletic frame with, with good length. We talked about our powerful frame, um, you know, a solid play strength at the point of contact. This guy can take on blocks and maintain his ground, you know, can press and, and pull offense tackles, you know, swim past him for, for sack. You know, this is a guy that I think his best football is, is to come here in, in, in the future. And I think just using him and utilizing him in, in, in a proper way, like I said, you could play him as a four-three defensive end, but I think kicking him inside as, as a as a rushing pass uh, pass rushing defensive tackle is probably his best suit. You know, I, I know his numbers today weren't great at the combine. I saw something flash over. I think it ran a four-nine-five. 40 with a 173 10-yard split. That's not something typically we see with with edge guys. So I think maybe, you know, he's 286 right now. Maybe add another, you know, 10 pounds. You're looking at 296, and you can kick him inside the full-time basis. So, you know, this could be a guy that could start off as a defensive end and eventually work his way inside to to defensive tackle. We'll see. But just the way he dominated, you know, at at, at the senior bowl and, and then, you know, just the the physique, the length, the size – and what he's done on tape, he had eight and a half sacks this past year at, at, at Missouri, 14 tackles for loss. Again, that was his only, you know, big season, if you will. So is he a one-hit wonder? That's another question you have to think about here with this kid. But just the the, the hustle, the the again, the, the size, the strength, the, the speed factor, um, you know, he's very intriguing. And, again, it's a thin class. Like I talked about earlier in the, in the show, right? After your first three guys, you're kind of like looking at traits. You're looking at things that you could utilize here. You know whether it's scheme fit, whether it's speed, whether it's it's a it's a particular trait. So I think Darius Robinson doesn't fit the bill in terms of a perfect, perfect uh, you know perfect defensive end, but I think he gives you some things that you can you can utilize here. And again, not a guy in that top half of the first round. He's more of a guy for me initially was was a second round pick. Might have kicked himself in the bottom half of the first round with what he's done at at the uh, at the Senior Bowl and something here at the Combine. But that's where I'm I'm looking at here. Not not a guy in the top ten. And uh, before I get uh, Jordan's thoughts, I just want to let everyone in the chat know that we'll answer some of the questions that you're posting. Uh, we're focused right now on pass rushers and will be for the next half hour or so. And then we'll get to some of the questions being asked in the chat room. So thank you very much for your patience on that. Jordan, you're uh, fairly high on Darius Robinson, too. You've got him in number three. I do. I uh, I love this kid. Um, exactly for what, I mean, this is for the Chicago Bears. This is frankly for any team. And I don't mean to be sacrilegious on the show, but I personally want to see him with Brian Flores and those Minnesota Vikings for, to Danny's point, this is a guy that I think has five tech written all over his tape. And to the point in these unique fronts, I think you can stand him up and just ask him to be, excuse my French, to beat the shit out of an offensive tackle, um, play in and play out for just how strong and dominant 
and physical he is at the point of attack. And I, by no means, I think that, you know, he's got plenty of refinement to work on. He's not the smoothest mover, uh, but as you know, Danny's talking about, I mean, you can absolutely, if you want to kick him in inside on passing downs, that's fine. I certainly think he could play three tech. That's not the role I envisioned for him. I think that he's got enough athleticism um, to play a strong defensive end, a five tech, you know, bully guards and tackles in at four. I, I think it only, furthers his development when you move him inside and just let him beat up on guards and centers. Um, so to me, Darius Robinson is a unique player and one that I think uh, really fits that strong defensive end. And I just think that's always important when you're looking at, at players, no players perfect. You have to look at archetypes when you're asking a guy that's 285, don't be surprised when he runs four nine. I mean, it's, it, you know, that's different from a lot to from a Turner, from a verse who are 250, 260, those extra 25, 30 pounds make a difference, but that's also why he dominates at the point of attack and can stand up to the run in ways that Latu, Turner, Verse, who are admirable in their own right, but they don't command the attention that Darius Robinson does against, you know, the, the 173, uh, Jordan, uh, uh, bothered me more than the 495. Yeah. The 173, obviously, that 10 yard split. I, I, I thought he was uh, quicker in terms of off the ball, up the field. So I, I thought I saw him somewhere in that 1667 range, something like that. So, you know, it, it, it's it just one, it's one, one, one test. You know, he, he can go back to his, to his pro day and run it again in Missouri and have, have, have the, the time that everyone expects him. So I'm not knocking him for that. I'm just saying they, that kind of, you know, might, you know, slow his momentum down in terms of what he had done at the senior bowl. But he was a talk of the senior bowl in terms of what he was doing, the one-on-ones, even the team drills. I and mean, he was pretty much unblockable. So, but I've always saw him as an inside guy. I liked him more as an inside guy, a guy that gives you some of that, like you said, scheme versatility. So that's what I, what I do like about Bob Robinson. But again, we're talking about guys that, for me at least, he's a second round, a day two guy. So uh, we'll, we'll see where it ends up going. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to me because I think when you're looking at him, that's that's my whole point about Robinson is with that three cone. He's not going to arc the corner. He's not going to bend the edge the way that a lot to is. He's going to run through you. He's going to drive you back and go the most direct route to the quarterback through your your through your chest plates, through one half of the man, if you will. But he's not playing any. There's no finesse to his game. It's I'm going to beat you up throughout the entire rep, and then you're going to get up, and we're going to do it again. And one of these times, I'm just going to bully you back, and you're not going to have a choice. That's, that's all I think we're seeing in this class, for me at least, is, is a lot of that. There's a lot of, you know, it's other than Rocky, really, there, there isn't, I mean, versus to a certain extent as well, there isn't really a lot of, you know, hand technicians, guys that have been taught no, how to pass rushers, you know, how to, how to rush the passer. Uh, coming out of this class. So that's something that, that as going through this class kind of disappointed me a little bit, but you know, there's multiple different ways to get to the quarterback, right? Talk about Will Anderson last year. He wasn't a fine pass rusher. He wasn't a guy that came out with, as a technician. He's just a guy that was athletic, uh, hustled, played hard and, and, and bullied himself into the backfield and ended up getting seven sacks and defensive work of the year this year. It was interesting that Greg Gabriel posted that Darius's numbers today, probably well, uh, force him to play a three tech. Now, if you ask Darius Robinson, he can play the three tech and he can play everywhere. And, uh, I can run, I can hit, uh, I get my hands inside. Um, I can do anything, man. Like just give me an opportunity to put my cleats in the ground. I showed that at the senior bowl. I got better each and every day against the best competition in college football. I played in the SEC, which is the best conference in football. Um, and that's the, I don't want to talk about myself too much. Just cut the tape on it and tell you. And, and I love the guy's attitude. Love the guy's attitude. Look how he built. Yeah. <laughs> in his own clothes. Like, I'm just, it's it's my type of, I, I, to Danny's point, I think that there's a beautiful art in watching guys like Latu work. But yeah. I just take a personal enjoyment watching these defensive ends. And this is why, like, I like 
Yeah, I love a 4-3 defense as much as anybody, but when you watch these 3-4s and you watch these 5-techs and these outside linebackers that are just, excuse my French, but brick shit houses where they're just driving tackles back and they're just beating up on them, those are my favorite type of players. And that's where, to Darius Robinson's credit, he can play every position on that line. He can play 5, he can play he can play a strong defensive end as a 6 technique, he can play 5, 4-I, 3-tech. Um, put him in a 2-I and watch him just destroy a center and guard for fun. I mean, it's it's that level of player. All right. For sure, and- violence. I found out Jordan Love just loves violence. I do. I do. Football <laughs> <laughs> should be played as yeah, I, I saw you from more of a, as a lover, not a fighter, Jordan. But <laughs> like you're a fighter. I love bully ball. It's my favorite, favorite form of it. I love it. All right, interesting pick here for Jordan. Again, this is on an even front. At number four, he's got the kid from Oregon, Brandon Dorless. Tell us why you like him at number four. For, again, an even front. Yeah, Brandon Dorless to me is one of my – he's a player I, I summer scouted and loved when I watched him. I think that he's a player that is unique. I mean, who he reminded me of is Carl Brooks from last year, and he's a bit of a tweener. I certainly could see somebody like Danny even saying, oh, I had him more as a three-tech. But um, I even think in some ways he can – he's one of these – a perfect example. And I said these guys can fit in odd fronts and even fronts, uh, three-tech all the way to even, you know, a five-technique. So I think that he's a bit of a, a versatile scheme guy, but inherently when we're talking about Dorless. He's another guy that, as Danny's talking about, these big, strong defensive ends that really man the gap and man their man and control them um, and move them against their will. And so I think he can fit the run. I think that as a senior at Oregon, he's picked up a decent amount of skill with his hand usage. I'm not, you know, the bendiest guy or anything of that sort, but he does play with a hot motor. Pretty good football IQ. He's always usually around the ball. Uh, If I did have a complaint about him, I didn't think that his motor was anything exceptional. I didn't find that he was constantly in pursuit, but... Um, consistently made plays for that Oregon defense for Dan Lanning this year. And that's why uh, Brandon Dorless is a guy that I've really been keen on since I watched him. And a lot of it's for that tweener style that reminded me of Carl Brooks. Danny, you got th- thoughts on this prospect? Well, J- Jordan knows me well. Uh, I, I I do see Dorless as an in- inside the, the, uh, three technique. I don't see him uh, as an edge guy. That's uh, so why I, I didn't study him for this class. I, I studied him, but I haven't studied him in, in as terms of as an edge player. Uh, he's a guy that, that Oregon lined up inside and outside. Um, you know, he's got some he's got some size in terms of 6'3", 283, 33 and a, and a quarter inch arms, 48540, but the 168 10 yard split. So he's a guy for me. If you give him you give him the ability to hit that that A gap, that B gap as a three technique. Uh, he's got some twitch to him. Uh, I like that first up get off at the line of scrimmage. Uh, Jordan's right. The, the motor isn't consistent. You know, you don't see a, a guy that's, that's given, in my opinion, a, a max effort throughout, you know, throughout the, throughout the, the, the play of the, uh, uh, that they're particular in, and whether it's backside pursuit, down, pursuit down the field, you'll see it sometimes. You'll, occasionally you'll see him trade, you know, chase down a play, but it, it just doesn't consistent. So, but yeah, he's, he's a guy that I see more uh, as, an, as an inside guy as, as opposed to an edge guy. All right, I'm getting back to Danny's list here as we flip-flop. This is fun. Uh, at number five, and Jordan, uh, you sent me a message saying, I, I bet people are going to be upset at me because I've got Chop Robinson, you know, where I got him, and we'll reveal where uh, in a moment. But Danny has Chop Robinson at number five. Danny, tell us why. Again, I, I my I came out saying, all right, this is not going to be a, a class that that's got the perfect player, right? You're going to have to have to have t- the three guys. You're going to have to pick and choose. And 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 Robinson, you know, the whole time I've been saying, although and you're contested, is I've been saying I want a twitched up, 
speed guy opposite of 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 Montez Sweat. I don't care if he can't play the run. I just want him to to go out there and on on third down and passing situations to help Montez Sweat and the boys get after the quarterback. And I know the production is not there in terms of what he what he put up at Penn State, but Chop Robinson is that kind of guy. Six two, you know, almost six three, two fifty four. You know, doesn't have the ideal length with only 32 and a half, and a half inch arms. Ran a 4-4-9-40, 10-yard split, 34 and a half inch vertical, and a 10-8 broad jump, showing that explosiveness in, in his lower half. Uh, athletic, quick twitch, edge defender, sudden athlete, explosive first step, quick off the snap. Um, you know, quickness and feet to cross the face mask of, an, of a tackle, win inside leverage, get to the quarterback. He can line up and rush from a two-point stance, from, from, a, from a hand in the ground as a, as a defensive end. Uh, in terms of his run defense, you know, he's quick. He's not great. Uh, he's quick, but, you know, he uses that quickness to sometimes, you know, get skinny and penetrate in between, you know, a, a guard and a tackle and get inside it and make some plays in the backfield. Um, you know, has experience dropping back into coverage, so a lot of teams might see him as an odd man, you know, front guy, outside linebacker. But for me, he's just a situational pass rusher. Again, not a guy that I would use any of the, the first two picks on. Obviously, uh, this is like if, if you get if you're able to you know trade back, or even if you get a second round pick, um, and he's available. I think he'll be available in the second round. I think that's or maybe even you know depending on on what his measurables came out. You know, how teams see him now with the, with some of these measurables. You know, whether they see him as, as a third rounder, who knows? But in that day two range is where I see Chop Robinson being available. And again, just a guy that that's twitched up going after the quarterback. I said, that's what I'm going to be looking for. And this is that prime example of a guy that that's just a, a sudden freak athlete. Uh, regarding his speed, uh, next gen stats said that his four, four, eight, 40 yard dash. That was the official time is the fifth fastest among 250 plus pound edge rushers at the combine. And that is similar to Byron young from last year. Uh, Similar size and the athleticism profile to that uh, Rams edge rusher who was drafted last year. So yeah, he uh, went around and, and by yeah. wrong went to the wrong. Exactly. And he was effective as a rookie. He, I mean, he played a lot of snaps this year as a rookie. Right. So uh, Jordan had him at number four on his list of uh, three, four uh, lineups. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you're seeing Austin Booker there. Maybe we can get to him because that's a kid I'm enamored by. We this. will. We will. <laughs> because, uh, but Chop Robinson, this is a guy that I'm not nearly as high on. Um, I don't want to make it sound like I'm, I hate the kid, I'm down on the kid. Uh, just because I don't love somebody doesn't mean that I think he's the worst player. But uh, to me, this is a player I find to be an incredibly specialized role player. Um, it works if you're running the D'Amico Ryan's front or the San Francisco 49ers front, meaning that if you want him in a 4-3 front, he has to play wide nine, two, three yards separated out from the tackle with an extreme angle advantage. Um, and that's really the way that they worked with him. I'm not denying that first step quickness. I think Danny really put it well. He is a sudden athlete. But I watched his get-off, and as good as that get-off was, it was actually really unique to me. He, his feet don't actually cover a lot of ground. It's not like some really – I mean, I was talking about Nick Bosa earlier. It explodes out of his stance, gains massive depth in the backfield when he does it. It's, it's weird watching Chop. He'll get off the ball quick but they're almost like short little choppy steps. And in that, it is that suddenness. I didn't see a guy that used his hands exceptionally well. He has a one move that I saw continuously, which is just he does a double swipe to try to get the hands out. And that sounds great and it looks good. But again, he didn't have all this production. And more importantly, the reason he was able to do that is, and, and this is effective at Penn State, so maybe it'll work in the NFL. He would get tackles set in panic mode because they're watching this guy who's lightning fast that they can't get out to. 
So they are sitting here forced to open up in a 45 degree set to try to attack Chop. And by the time that he's got that angle and they put their hands out, he's double swiping them away and he's fast enough to do that. And if you think you can emulate that in the NFL, by all means, but this is a guy that I, you know, I hear people talk about him. He's the next Michael Parsons. Mike Prokofrim is Vic Beasley. I'm a lot lower on him than many others because I think he's a relatively limited player. As Danny said, he was dropped a lot, which is why I think he'd be better in a three, four, um, use his athleticism in that way, as opposed to putting him in disadvantageous situations. His motor's good. I do think he's a tryhard. Um, he's a tryhard player in the sense that he will try to stand up to the run. But again, he's not the biggest guy, so he does get blown off the ball. Um, but he's effective when they move him around. And like I said, if but if you're trying to put him in a 4-3 front, you're so limited in the ways that you can use him because you can't line him up in your traditional six technique where he's taking on one half the man because he's, that's not his game. He needs that wide set, which is why I'm saying a guy like D'Amico Ryans or what they've been doing in San Francisco where these guys can line up so far out and just get that kind of sprinter stance is what you're looking for with him, and I just don't see that as a fit for the Bears. See, well, Jordan, like, you're right. He's not a guy you can line up as a traditional 4-3 defensive end and expect him to win down and down. But he's that athlete type that where you can line up in a two-point stance. You, you, could, you can form him around, line him up in an A gap as, in, in that elephant position, if you will, line him up in a B gap and just move him around and, and, and get the offensive lineman to worry about that athletic ability, that speed, that first step explosiveness that he get, can penetrate into the, into the gap and get into the backfield. So that's why, you know, again, not the ideal guy, not the guy that I, I would be, you know, taking day one, but he's a guy that, gives you that trait, right? That that explosiveness that you don't have right now off the edge. And I think that's what I've been looking for. And and now if Eberflus, I've been told by a lot of people, Eberflus is a great defensive coordinator. Well, if you got a weapon like this, utilize him in a way where you could put him in a position to succeed, right? Michael Parsons came out as a linebacker. Next thing you know, Dan Quinn's got him lined up as, as an edge guy, lined up as an elephant uh, rusher from the middle. Again, talking about rushing that B gap, A gap, just line up all over the place, utilize the athletic ability, that first step quickness, and get him to get pressure on the quarterback. That that's what I'm looking for, Chop Robinson. I'm I'm not I have no you know a fairy tales that he's gonna put a hand in the ground, and be a down and down a defensive end for this team at six two and, and whatever two hundred you know sixty pounds. Um, but, but he's an athlete. He's an athlete that you could utilize in in different ways. You can scheme him to get pressure, generate pressure to go along with the other guys you have up up front. All right, let's get to Austin Booker, who uh, Jordan is a big fan of. Tell us why. Uh, this is a kid that I mean, if I told you that I loved uh, the other the other play that we were speaking of, um, which is Darius Robinson, then I, I am enamored with Austin Booker. This is a kid where I and similar to the JJ McCarthy love I have. I guess I just really enjoy prospects that are a total mystery grab bag when you're drafting them. But um, the negative, and I'm sure Daniel will talk about it, but Austin Booker has 500 snaps to his career in college. Um, previously, was a Minnesota player and then transferred to Kansas, um, where he played this year and exceeded. Uh, my favorite thing about him is, and he reminds me a lot of Daniel Hunter in a sense where he needs to develop, he needs to kind of sit. But already what is so intriguing, and this is why I fell in love with this player, is his hand usage is second to me to only Latu Latu. Uh, in this class, he shows an advanced move set, an advanced toolbox of the pass rush moves that he uses. And again, I kind of characterize him as that try hard. He tries in the run game. Um, I actually think he's an incredibly aware player. Um, he finds ways to to make plays in the gap, in the alley, and the and the gaps on uh, on wide receiver screens, things of that sort. So his motor is good, um, but particularly as a pass rusher. 
I wasn't expecting when I turned on the tape of Austin Booker to see a guy that was hitting uh, spins and Euro steps and showing good dip on rushes, um, you know, jumping, jump chop moves, swipes, uh, swim moves. It's all there. And so uh, to me, this is a guy that I think the NFL's, and maybe not the NFL, but at least the media is sleeping on way too much. I think Austin Booker is a guy that I would take a swing on pretty high um, for what he, he brings as a package as a rusher. Danny, you didn't have him too far down on your list. You had him right behind Chop Robinson at number six. Tell us why. Yep. Surprise, surprise, Jordan. Uh, Austin Brooker is a guy that I saw at the Senior Bowl, and I was like, who the hell is this kid with a Kansas Jayhawk helmet on? And, uh, again, yeah, you, you hit it. You know, two years at Minnesota, couldn't get on the field, uh, which has me questioning P.J. Flick even more. But uh, <laughs> goes, to, goes to Kansas, you know, has the one year. He's only a redshirt sophomore, so he still has at least two years of eligibility left. Uh, but comes out, you know, after, you know, eight sacks, 12 tackles for loss. And, you know, you talk about the, the length, right? He's 6'6", 245, almost 34-inch arm length, um, you know, quick first step. And this is the guy that, but, uh, Jordan, I think you kind of knocked him out of his run defense. But actually, he impressed me uh, in terms of his run defense. He's a guy who can string out the run. He can, he can go in and, and make sure, you know, he can shed a tackle. He can sh- shed, a, shed a block and make a tackle. Uh, he's not afraid to lower his shoulder into the offensive tackle and take on blockers to be able to set that edge for a guy, again, 245 pounds. So he shows some guts, and it doesn't have the frame and, and the size that you typically look for at edge players, but, man, he shows the ability. He talked about his pass rush moves, got that first step get off, Talked about the use of hands. Yeah, he's got the rip. He's got the swim. He's got a nice spin move where, where he gets the, the uh, tackle leaning to his outside and then he spins back inside as a counter move. So this guy really, really impressed me. Again, just one year wonder. So this is a guy, this is a guy that you can you can develop, right? Eric Washington and, and the staff here can get a hold of this guy. He's got, got the length you're looking for. Might need some more about 10 more pounds of muscle, I'm guessing, about 255. He can maintain he can maintain that speed, that athletic ability, and not get slowed down, not get bogged down. He's got that f- thin frame that he can add some more muscle to it. So I think this is a guy that, again, might not be a day one, week one contributor, but, man, you get this kid in, you develop him. He's got that that that, that passion, the energy. Um, you know, he's, he's got that want to. And again, at 245, he's taking on 300-pound offensive linemen that are pulling at him. He's putting a shoulder in them. And he's got no fear. So I think that really stuck out to me. And again, just, he's developing as a pass rusher, right? And we already talked about his hand usage, right? The, the, the swim, the rip. Talk about how many of these guys we talked about don't even have any of that on their tape. And this is a guy that that's really just been on the field for one year and where you see a lot of that development. So really intrigued by this guy. Obviously, he's a developmental kid, right? So, you know, where are you going to get him? It all depends. Uh, but you have to have a package for him. You know, if you get him in the second round, you get him in the third round, you have to develop and, and start him, you know, off and just, hey, go get the quarterback. See quarterback, hit quarterback. That's what you got to do. That's all you got to worry about. And I think that's where you kind of start him off there and then now develop him as he goes along. And I think you could potentially have a guy that develops into a full-time starter for you. Excellent work, gentlemen. Uh, number seven, Danny, on your list right after Booker is Adisa Isaac over at Penn State. Yep. Uh, this is the guy I, I've been talking about for a while as well here. And Adisa Isaac, um, you know, Chop Robinson got the notoriety. He was a, the big name on a, that defensive line at, at Penn State. But Adisa Isaac was that heart and soul. And you watched that Penn State team. You saw Adisa Isaac was the guy getting into guys' faces, you know, motivating the guys. He's a guy that that uh, was a team captain this past year, right? Came in at 6'4", 247 pounds with 34-inch arms. So he's got the got the length you're looking for there. Uh, solidly put together. This guy's got a defined lower body, flexibility in his lower half, 
uh, solid upfield burst, okay, high energy, high effort pass rusher, another guy that can convert speed to power, you know, plants his hands in the chest of the offensive lineman and it will just drive them back. Uh, in terms of as a run defender, he's quick to locate. Uh, he can pierce into the backfield. He's got 31 and a half career tackles for loss uh, at Penn State. Um, you know, sack numbers are, are not great. Is, is, is last year, seven and a half were, were his highest. He's got 14 and a half for his career. Uh, but he's a guy in terms of as a pass rusher. Again, he's more of a speed to power kind of guy. Uh, not refined in terms of of his of his uh, hand usage. Uh, but he can he can stack and shed. You know, uh, tight ends in terms of as a run defender. Again, he's more stout than you would think at the at the point of contact. A high effort, high energy guy. Again, will track down plays backside. You know, uh, uh, you know, down the field, so on and so forth. So uh, I love the way he diagnoses the, the play quickly. Will locate the football. And again, plays with that energy, that effort that I think at the worst case can come in and, and give you, you know, really, really good snaps opposite of Montez Sweat and give you some good pass rush ability off that edge. Jordan, you have a DSAT number seven on your Why don't you uh, tell us uh, what you like about him, and then we'll circle back and, and talk about Chris and Jonah. Yeah, no, I think it's it's interesting to hear. Uh, I mean, I saw J2K saying that, we're, you know, Danny and I are sleeping on Adisa Isaac, and I would actually, I'd argue with that a little bit. I, I know that you see chop higher, um, and the only reason you're seeing chop higher is just for the athletic profile and what he can become. But I have to be honest, as we sit here today on February 29, 2024, I like Adisa Isaac as a player more today um, than what I do with Chop Robinson. And I mean, you some of that's to be expected. He's an older prospect. He's a little bit of injury history. He missed a, a season, I believe, for an Achilles. I could be mistaken on the exact injury, but did miss a year. Um, but I think he's a feistier player. I think he shows it. I know Danny said that the hands aren't great, and I'm not saying they're elite, but I think he shows a better hand usage and hand combat uh, than he done than his running mate, Chop Robinson. And I see a guy that, um, as J2K's talked about, has the ability to uh, build upon that frame. I think that, to me, though, he's an odd front backer. Um, I don't want him, you know, putting his hand in the dirt, playing as in an even front as a defensive end. Um, but I think that he's a he has the want to, has the desire, shows good bend, shows um, pretty decent hand play for where he's at in his career. Um, and I think that, like I said, right now I'm up, I'm higher on him than I am with Chop as of today. But again, when you talk about projection, that's where you have to you know change things a bit. All right, stay with you there, uh, and let's talk about those two other guys. For starting with Chris Broswell from Alabama, you have him at number five. Again, this is the odd front. Yeah, Chris Braswell, uh, to me, I mean, this is a guy that uh, gets slept on because his name's not Dallas Turner, but he is a, a positive contributor on that. Again, that pro defense, this is a guy that's going to come in ready to play. Um, not necessarily the the twitchiest, not the best athlete, um, but a smart player who defends the run well, always is willing to fit it, insert his shoulder into it, not get moved off the ball. Uh, and and again, not, not in a way that you're going to see elite bend from him, but I think that he does string together a decent amount of pass rush moves. He shows to have a decent plan. And again, what really kind of keeps him high here is that uh, in comparison to other players where I think maybe the motor is not quite there like a Brandon Dorless, uh, Chris Braswell to me has a motor that just keeps on running. And I mean, I've heard him talk about that in that Bama, that Bama world where he had to kind of grow and learn to get into his role because he had guys like Will Anderson and Dallas Turner and others in front of him where he didn't get a chance really until this year to show. And I thought that he showed well um, as a really well-rounded player to something that Danny and I have been alluding to is that there's not a, really a guy that's going to blow your hair back in this class outside of maybe those top three guys. But Braswell is a guy that I would feel comfortable if you were an out front team um, to get a guy that can fit the run and play the pass equally well, maybe not going to be an elite guy, but a, a routine contributor in the, in the sack game, pass rush game. 
Yeah, me too, Jordan. I, I don't see him a fit for this scheme, uh, particularly as, as, a, as a 4-3 guy, and e even as a situational pass rusher. I mean, he's got sub-33-inch 30, arms, uh, doesn't doesn't have that quick twitch, the 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 the, the first-up explosion off, off the line of scrimmage. He's a good athlete. Uh, I just didn't see that that on tape, so I, I just don't know uh, if he'd if offer you know uh, something to this team. I, I just think he's not going to be a fit for this team, so I think I didn't even you know put him down as, as a possibility. But uh, for a 3-4 team, that has an outside linebacker. Yeah, I think he could he could be a guy that can come in and, and develop for them and, and be a contributor initially, probably on special teams, and then probably get on the field as as a you know as a guy that, that can that can you know be a down and down player. But I like the effort, like the motor, plays hard, uh, a hard hitter, uh, is, is a physical in terms of you know toughness and all that stuff. But uh, I just didn't see him as as a fit for the scheme. Sandwiched in between Braswell and Isaac Jordan has Jonah Ellis out of Utah. Tell us why you like Jonah. Yeah, Jonah, Jonah Ellis, I mean, I don't want to make it sound like the only reason he's high is because he's Luther Ellis's kid, but, I mean, he's got some brothers in the league. I think that he understands what it is to be a pro. His father was a pro. Um, and, again, when you just look at the player, I think that um, he's – if I had a complaint about him, he's obviously very slight. He's 6'2", uh, roughly 240-ish. Um, again, this is why he's an odd front 3-4 outside linebacker. He's not somebody I'd consider really for the Chicago Bears. But um, when you talk about exciting edges, I think that he's a guy that is clearly still developing. Uh, he's a worker – he has a incredible spin move. That's where he – it's really his go-to move. He learns to win off that. But he's also got, um, you know, a, a swipe move that really kind of beats the hands around the corner. He's a guy that I think would fit well in an odd front as kind of that Leo backer that we've been talking about. Put him in as a stand-up. And um, he's not – again, I'm not telling you he's the bendiest guy or anything of that sort. But um, he's a good athlete developing with his hand usage, good enough size. And, again, some of the productions there in Utah – I mean, in that Utah defensive – you won't hear me say too many nice things about the former Pac-12, but if there was a program in that conference that exuded what it is to be a you know a pro-style defense, a, a hard hitter, um, a worker, it was that Utah program, and I think that Jonah Ellis really came on this year. Thoughts on Jonah, Dan? Danny? Yeah, Jonah Ellis is a guy that I I, I wanted to like, Jordan. I I, I watched him, I, and obviously you know he he led the Pac-12 until he got injured. Had uh, suffered a season-ending shoulder injury, uh, I believe it was week ten or week eleven of the season, and, and he was out. But he, up to tell, he had twelve sacks. Uh, he, was, he was doing great. He's a former off-the-ball linebacker that that was converted to to an on-ball linebacker, I mean, linebacker, linebacker, on-ball defender. And uh, and again, you know, he's a guy that that you know, against for me, a lot of his sacks came on effort. And he's a guy that again, another one that's motors always running hot. The guy will never stop. Uh, you talked about his his pedigree. You know, Luther Ellis was was his dad. Caden Ellis plays for, I believe, the Saints or, or the Falcons. I forgot which team he's on right now, his brother. So, you know, he comes from the NFL pedigree. And, and I, like I said, I wanted to like him, but it's just there's nothing there in terms of, you know, can I bring this guy in and be a situational pass rusher? I just didn't see a, a game there in terms of, you know, I didn't see a game plan. I didn't see a repertoire in terms of him being a consistent pass rusher at the next level. Again, a guy you might make, make a roster as a special teams guy and then maybe a guy you can develop or something, but I just didn't see him something, you know, someone as, as can come in here and be a contributor and help, you know, get after the quarterback initially. I wanted to like him. I just, I just couldn't find a, you know, anything that I would say, all right, this, let's attach this and we can go ahead and, 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 you know, get this guy into, into here and, and make him a player. I just, unfortunately, I, I, he might be a guy that could be a three, four outside linebacker, but he's most likely going to be, you know, in the league on, on special teams. Yeah, I, I can't really argue too much, Danny. I, I'll be quick here, Aldo, but I think that the thing with him is just that I, you're right about this. There is no real plan. He's got two moves, and it's, it's okay, I shot one. It didn't work. I'm going to two, which is usually the spin. But to your point, I, that that motor, that effort is what led to that production. And I call call me a little you know crazy for projecting this, but 
this wouldn't be the first time we've seen in, in the league on Sundays these these high motor effort guys that find a way to just get to the quarterback. And I, I'm not telling you I think he's going to be some 10, 12 sack guy year in a year out, but um, I do, and it's okay to be different on this. I think that he's got a unique role that'll fit somewhere in a three four beyond just special teams because of the pedigree, because of the effort, because of the the program that he came from. And as long as he can continue to train and develop that hand use, um, I mean, you saw you've seen lesser rushers make make an impact on Sundays. All right. A lot of people are probably wondering, when are you guys going to talk about Braylon Trice? Well, both of you guys have him at different uh, parts of your list. Danny towards the bottom, Jordan towards the top. Danny, why don't you start with, uh, with why you have Braylon Trice at number eight? Yeah, I struggled with, with Braylon Trice. Not that I don't like him. I, I, I love the player. I mean, every time I put a tape on Washington, he's he's always making plays. And he's, he's a guy that, that like he's right here, high energy, high effort, high motor. We talked about a lot of these guys having that high energy, high motor stuff. And uh, two-year starter, two-time All-Pac-12 first-team member, you know, had 16 sacks the last two seasons, you know, 23 and a half tackles for loss. So he's a guy that affects the pass and the run, uh, you know. Uh, the style of first step, you know, upfield, you know, just a straight line power rusher, a guy that likes to rush through the tackle, uh, through the blocker, as opposed to going around the blocker. So he brings that level of physicality, that toughness on on your defensive line. And again, talk about that that effort, that motor that just never stops. Um, you know, some of the, the things that that obviously that kind of put put him on top for me was the guy is always making plays. He doesn't look here, like you said, he doesn't look like the the, the biggest or, or the most athletic defensive end, but man, he's always around the football. He's always making plays. He's always affecting the pass. He's always affecting the passer. He's always getting into the backfield, making plays. He's chasing plays down the, so that's, that's the effort in that motor. And again, he's, he's a pretty good athlete. Now, what surprised me with him was I had him at around 260. He came in today at 245. Okay. Ran a 4.7240. I think it was a one seven. Was it a one-seven split? I forgot what, what what his numbers were in terms of his testing, but that's that's a huge drop off in terms of where you were on tape or where I expect you to be. And now, where, no, did he lose all that weight to be an outside linebacker? Did he lose that weight to run that, that good for it? So that's some questions there. But in terms of just effort, and and, and even though, and he doesn't have the length, right? He's only what six-two. He came in at six-three with uh, you know, 25 pounds with 32 and a half inch arm length. So that doesn't fit the profile of this, of this staff that I've been talking about here. But again, just you watch him on, on tape and you just can't leave him off your top 10 list of, of edge players in this class, especially because this class, like we said, isn't, isn't great, but just, I, I love the player. I love the energy. I love the effort. I love the production. You know, I just, there's questions in terms of how he fits in the scheme, you know, and then now I have this question of that weight loss. Was it, you know, just to get to run a good 40. Uh, so that, that that's also kind of muck his, mucks up his, his, his projection here as well. Yeah, that's what Daniel Jer- Jeremiah surmised that uh, he the weight loss was because he wanted to run a good 40. Uh, Jordan, you've got him all the way up at number two on your even fronts. Tell us why you have love for Braylon Trice. I, I have a type, as, as you guys can probably tell now. Danny, <laughs> Danny said, well, how does he win? He likes to run through guys. He's violent. He gets after it. He's got a high motor. He's always around the ball, always making plays. Um, Danny really, I mean, I, I I don't mean to piggyback off everything, but Danny really gave my scouting reports. almost like he read off my notes here. Jalen um, <laughs> Trice is my type of my type of guy. I, I agree with, with Danny and, and Daniel Jeremiah. 
I think that that's not rep- his weight weight today was not representative of what he was at Washington. Um, but when we're talking about, and you'll notice he's number two for even front defensive ends. I wouldn't tell you that he's like my number two edge in this class, but when we're talking about really this list is built for the bears. When I'm, I'm thinking about what the bears need or what I think this staff would like at defensive end, Braylon Trice is very similar and to verse in that way. He's a guy that, just off of what we've seen when, and I'm not talking just about what with the bears and, you know, DeMarcus Walker players like that. I'm talking about Deo Odoyingbo and Quiddy pay back in Indianapolis. When you saw the type of defensive ends that Matt Eberflus liked, it was this style, these pocket crushers, these people that condense and they do have a high motor. You're not having to coach them to stop loafing. They do have a nose for the football. They're just relentless in their pursuit. And again, I don't think he's the, the, the flashiest, uh, I, it, to Danny's point, I don't think that she, he, you'd even really notice him um, if not for just this way of winning. He finds a way to impact the game. And at a certain point, you can deny his measurables, maybe his his testing, but you just turn on the tape. And it's kind of like what Darius Robinson saying, turn on the tape, you'll see me. Uh, that really rings true for Braylon Trice. There's no way to, to disregard him when you watch the tape, and I think that that translates to Sunday's. All right, uh, Jordan. Let's stay with your list. Um, and it's again, this is even fronts. Uh, Marshawn Nealon is at number five. Yeah, uh, Marshawn Nealon's a, a guy that uh, is interesting. He was kind of the the last of the pack there um, once Braden Fisk left Western Michigan. And Marshawn Nealon is a guy that um, another. As Danny and I have kind of continued to belabor on this point, these power rushers, these guys that um, exude a lot of effort, have real heavy hands. Um, as they push the pocket, he's a, a push-pull artist. He's going to win by just jolting you. There's not – Neyland doesn't show any advanced hand usage or anything of that sort, but um, he's the type that I, – I wouldn't be the first to say this, but he reminds me of an outside linebacker for the, the Baltimore Ravens in the way that they're going to stash him, develop him, and watch him become the next type of Zadarius Smith where he's just a strong brute. Um, that finds a way to beat up on tackles and wins with effort and motor and some of just that high power in his hands um, that really finds ways to create advantages for him to get to the quarterback. And as you're kind of rolling this highlight, you're seeing it. Look at him just drive back there. I mean, it's not a it's not an advanced game, but there's no denying um, what he can be just based on the, the size, the profile, uh, and the the heaviness in his hands. I mean, it's 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 consistent as you watch the tape. And Danny, you've got him at number nine on your four three list. Why don't you take over? And I try to keep him off the list, to be honest with you, because because <laughs> like, like, like there's there's nothing in his game that that I love. I mean, other than the fact he's got the size, right? Six was a six four. He came. I have his numbers here. He came in at six three, actually three six three, two sixty eight. 34 and a half inch arm length. So he's got the size and he's got the length. Um, you know, he's a solid athlete, right? In high school, he, he was a regional champion in the 400 meters. Uh, he was a, a all conference as a high jumper. So he's got that athletic ability, three-year starter. Um, but again, a guy that that played in the MAC for, for, you know, for all these, for four years and never really produced. I think the highest number of sacks he had was four and a half. For his career, he's got 12 and a half. So he's not a guy that's going to go out there and flash. But again, looking at this class and looking now at this point, we're like, all right, what do you bring to the table? And like Jordan said, he's got heavy, strong hands. He's got a motor that runs hot 24-7. He's a guy that, that you put him on the football field, he's going to try to run through the blockers that are in front of him. He doesn't care if there's one blocker, two blockers, three blockers. He's going to try to run right through them and bury a hole in them and get to the quarterback. And that's his game. And I don't, whether it's, he's going to stick to the outside, they're going to add 10 pounds of muscle, kick him inside as a, as a defensive tackle, who knows? But he's a guy that that I think just, just, just by brute, 
by strength, by size and, and, and athletic ability, it was going to make a roster and, and some defensive line coach is going to fall in love with him and just say, you know what, I can teach this guy how to, how to rush a passer. I can teach this guy how to, how to, you know, be a, you know, a four or three defensive end. So that's why I think, you know, again, look here, I'm looking for traits. I'm looking for a guy that that's got something that, that could bring to the table. And again, size, length, and hustle and heart is what this guy this guy brings, and I think he's going to find his way on on an NFL roster. And I think some defensive line coach is going to fall in love with him. That's twice all the yeah, five bucks yeah. again. <laughs> Jeez, I that's uh, I'm broke now, guys. So it's it's <laughs> over. Um, I'd like to uh, stay with Danny, get his number ten pick, and then we've got about uh, probably five players uh, that Jordan had on his two lists that we'll talk about. So let's go to number 10, and Jordan has him on one of his lists. It's uh, the kid from Troy, Javon Sullivan. Yeah, another guy that doesn't fit the bill in terms of what I've been preaching here, what this defense is, this defense staff wants, right, the, the size. He's only 6'1", 246. He's got some decent length. He's got 34-inch arms, so I think that might might buy him a, a ticket onto this roster. And the other thing he's got is he's got an athletic ability. And he's got a solid body. He's got he's got a body that that's kind of chiseled here. Uh, you know, production-wise, he, he led the uh, Sun Belt with sacks this last year with 16. He's got 33 sacks for his career. He's a redshirt senior, so he's, he's played five years, and he's got almost 50 tackles for loss. And again, talk about that lower body strength. He's got a you know powerful powerful hip hip thrust he's got the quick first step uh this guy plays bigger than his size when you watch him on, on tape uh solid upfield get off at the line of scrimmage uh can turn the corner and when he flies to the quarterback he comes with with mean intentions i mean the quarterback feels and when, whenever he hits them um you know it's, again for someone his size he's, he's pretty solid against the running now he can get engulfed and manhandled by bigger you know blockers but again 6'1 246 He's a guy who uses that lower lower body strength I talked about to be able to maintain his ground and, and do a decent job there. Um, you know, athletic, a guy that's got strong hands, and also a guy that shows me on tape that he's got a game plan when it comes to rushing the passer. So the production, the 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 frame is not there, but the production and and the 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 will and also the the power, the base power is there as well. So I think again, a guy that doesn't fit this defensive this defensive staff to a T. But I just I just couldn't leave him off off the list because of again the production and what I saw in terms of effort and then also the athletic ability he put on display today. He ran a four seven two forty a one six six uh, ten yard split, thirty seven inch vertical, um, and and at nine nine foot eleven inch broad jump. So we saw some of that lower the lower body power with that vertical there as well. So um, a kid that really intrigues me again might just only be a situational pass rusher. Who knows? But this is one of the guys that production has been massive. I know it's only the Sun Belt, but still, it's the Sun Belt, and he's he's got thirty some thirty three sacks for his career, and just just that motor and the, the ability to the hand usage. I think he's a guy that can come in and be a situational pass rusher for you. Jordan, uh, uh, go ahead and unmute. I'll save you five bucks, and uh, <laughs> and you, you got him at <laughs> you got him at ten. Uh, so talk about Javon Sullivan. Again, this is the odd front. And then take us through uh, nine and eight as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Danny did a really good job summing it up with Javon Sullivan. I mean, when we're talking about Javon Sullivan, I think the biggest issue with him is, as Danny's talking about, it's the Sunbelt League, which is not, not a knock. It's just one of those things where the competition isn't the quality of other rushers. Um, and then it's the reality that he's just a shorter edge. 
outside of that, I'd be I'd be hard pressed to tell have somebody actually point out to me what are their issues with Javon Solomon. I think to to Danny's point, he's probably more of a part time designated pass rusher because of the lack of size. Um, but he's a freak athlete. He shows a advanced repertoire with a pass rush plan and moves. Um, he's athletic. I wouldn't say he's like the bendiest guy or anything of that sort, but uh, the production is hard to deny. And like I said, I have him here as an odd front edge backer because I just don't think that a guy of his frame is going to hold up in an even front, particularly because of that that lack of height. Um, but he's a guy that, I mean, you know, I'm not at all calling him this, but it's he wouldn't be the first guy if he succeeded in the league um, at this frame. I mean, I think of guy when I see guys like Javon Solomon, I think of guys like Elvis Dumerville, um, who was incredibly successful despite being a six foot six one uh, edge rusher. And again, he had some years where he was an even front, but again, had some years where he was really thriving as an odd front, um, you know, weak side outside linebacker. And I think that that's where Javon Solomon can thrive. Very good. Uh, what do you like about Gabriel Murphy at UCLA? Yeah, Gabriel Murphy's. Uh, I mean, he's the. You know, if you're if you're not confusing him with his brother Grayson, he's a guy that. Uh, you know, he's down here on the list for a reason. I don't think that any of these guys are particularly exceptional in any particular department. But Gabriel Murphy was a guy that I, I found consistently kind of to call it a discount Braylon Trice, if you will. I always found like he was around the ball, always making plays. Decent, decent pass rush repertoire. Transferred from I believe was it North Texas to, to UCLA. Um, so he's got decent size. He's a little bit slight. Like I said, that's why I have him here as an odd front uh, outside backer. But I think a guy that um, is a little more finesse than power. Um, but the reason I you, you see him, for example, here on the list as opposed to his brother um, is I think that he does show a better use of his hands and a little more power in his game. Very good. Uh, before you comment on him, Danny, uh, let's let Jordan talk to us about Mohamed Kamara out of Colorado State. Yeah, <laughs> Mo, Mo Kamara is a funny one because I think, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised, I'd be curious to hear what Danny has to say about him versus Javon Solomon. But uh, to me, the reason that you just see a, a slight discrepancy there is Mo Kamara is kind of the the preemed up version, if you will, of Javon Solomon. He's a guy that was playing, you know, in the Pac-12 for Colorado State. Uh, really, I mean, if anybody that watched that, I mean, because it was a Pac-12 at night game, but that Colorado versus Colorado State game, Mo Kamara, I'd argue, was the best player in that on that team. And uh, he consistently showed a advanced use of his pass rush. He's a guy similar to Javon Solomon, although I'd argue Mo Kamara gets more out of it um, from that diminished height, that, that lack of size where he uses that to his leverage. And he's got good burst off the edge, uses his hands really well, can bend the corner. Another guy where his motor just runs hot and he finds a way to impact plays and get to the quarterback when you think a guy of his stature probably wouldn't. And that's what, to me, ultimately made him, you know, above Javon Solomon with also that gap of Gabriel Murphy in between. Danny, any thoughts on Kamara uh, or Murphy? Yeah, I'll start from Gabriel Murphy. I, I saw him at the East West Shrine game. Uh, he's a guy that that of the Murphy brothers. I think he was probably the, the better of the, of the pass rushers. But unfortunately, he's he's six two, uh, with two hundred forty seven pounds and I think thirty inch arms. So I think his 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 future is either going to be moved to to a strong side linebacker position, uh, or or maybe special team. So I think that that's his future there. Uh, I do like his motor though. Uh, Mohamed Kamara, I actually love this kid, and and I wanted it so bad to put him on the list, but I, I couldn't put him and Javon Solomon because. Another guy that doesn't fit the profile, right? 6'1", 250, sub 33-inch arms, only 32 and 38s, but a two-year full-time starter, you know, 49 games, 34 starts, Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year this past year, our team captain. Uh, this is a guy you you put on tape and and his tape, and you just you he'll know you notice him. And I watched him in 2022 versus Michigan, who had you know had that that offensive line there, and he gave them fits. He didn't look like he was outmatched at all. He didn't back down from anybody. Undersized, but he's got a powerful frame, loose hips, solid lateral agility, 
quick burst, first step, get off off the line of scrimmage. This is a guy that, that can swipe down and dip his shoulder, get underneath the pad level of the offensive lineman and, and get flat into the quarterback. Um, you know, makes an impact when he sacks the quarterback. Another one that's just a straight line pass rusher. He does a lot of speed to power. But again, very effective in terms of how he gets to the quarterback. Doesn't look pretty all the time, but he's damn effective. I think this last year he had, what, 13? Was it 13 sacks this year? He's got 29 and a half for his career, 45 and a half tackles for loss. Um, again, a guy that can just fire off the snap. And even versus the run, Jordan, I watched him again, that game against Michigan, and he's 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 firing off the off that snap, you know, piercing that gap in between the guard and the tackle, and he's, and he's making he's making a play into the backfield. So, you know, he's got that motor, that effort, and the production, and I, I saw him last year against against Colorado, where he got uh, kicked out of the game for for targeting. Uh, you know, that, that's another guy. He just plays hard, physical, toughness, uh, active hands. Another guy that, that that will work to get after the quarterback. So, I wanted. I love this kid. He's a guy that could, a day three guy that you could probably bring in and could be one of these guys that you say, oh, how did this guy last to the to the fifth round? That's Mohamed Kamara. I just couldn't put him and and uh, Javon Solomon on, on the same list because knowing the fact that these guys do not fit the the, the profile that that the staff likes, I thought I could fit in Solomon because of his his arm length. Uh, I, I just don't think Kamara would would be a, a guy that this team or this this uh, defensive staff would look at. All right, we will now get back to Jordan's list of of the even fronts and that number we left off at six. He talked about Cedric Johnson, if I remember correctly, or was I daydreaming that? <laughs> uh, we were on Nealon, but it's okay. I mean, Cedric Johnson just uh, I'll be very quick. No, I'm I mean, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's uh, he's a guy that I mean, played for Ole Miss. He's uh, I believe six. <laughs> Could be wrong on the measurements, but I think he's 6'3", 260. He's a guy that, again, nothing necessarily exceptional about him. What I was actually most impressed by is they'd actually drop him into space, um, and I thought he acquitted himself quite well in those in those instances as an even front defender. Um, and not that I think that that'd be his role with the Bears, but even Foose does like to drop defensive linemen from time to time. And outside of that, he's a guy that I think is just you're you're enticed by the frame, the size. Uh, some of his aggressiveness, his burst off the ball, and he get, generates decent power as well. Um, so that's Cedric Johnson from Ole Miss, and then uh, Brandon Jackson. I, I I don't mean to I don't mean this in a disparaging way, but this is just a guy I call a tryhard. Um, he's a guy that isn't necessarily special in any way, but um, has some production at Washington State. Uh, was a feisty player. Gets 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 off the ball well. Shows decent hand use. Uh, not not a bender anyway. I don't wouldn't even say his power is exceptional well, but. Um, he does find a way to make an impact, and I think a lot of that's just from a motor and a willingness to to continue to try to get after it. But again, that's what that's where we're at in a weak class, and you're on number six or seven for you know a specific type of, of archetype for defense events. Very good. Any comments there, uh, Danny, on Cedric or Brennan? Yeah, Cedric Johnson is a, is a guy that, that I really like. Like Jordan said, he's got you know at six three two sixty, you know thirty three inch arms. He's got some some traits there, physical traits that, that you like to work with. You know, a three year starter at at Ole Miss, uh, a twenty twenty three All SEC selection. So you know he led the Rebels in, in quarterback hurries this past year. So he, he's got some something there you could work with. Again, he's going to be a guy that that some defensive lineman's coach is going to say, you know, what? he's got some tools I can work with. You know, he's probably a draftable kid, probably you know you know day three somewhere in that range. So that's Cedric Johnson. Brennan Jackson is a guy that really intrigues me. Um, you know, I, I put on his, his tape and, and the first thing that catches my eye, I don't know, Jordan, if that caught your eye was he was number 80. I'm like, was well, this guy yes. ever <laughs> what, what the hell is this guy? Uh, but no, he was never talking. He was just, just a guy that, you know, four-year starter at, at Washington state, uh, you know, let, led them with 45 or a career 
uh, quarterback pressures. Uh, you know, a 6'4", 264, you know, doesn't have the length in terms of arm length, only a sub 33 inch arm. So I don't know if he's, he's a fit here, uh, but he's a guy, the guy that, that, that for me, when I, when I put that tape on, you know, lateral agility, he's got the, the burst to close, you know, he's not the guy that converts speed to power. Another one that, that's got a motor that, that, you know, continues to run hard, plays hard, will chase down, will pursue all over the field. Uh, you know, the, the biggest thing, you know, he had what eight and a half sacks last year, which was his, his rushed senior season, which is the most he's had uh, does have three forced fumbles in his career, which is something you like to see with, with a defensive lineman, you know, creating some, some turnovers there. But um, he's a guy that's had some injury concerns throughout his career, right? Uh, 2018 towards ACL, 2019 broke his foot. So he's a guy that that's, you know, seemed to have some issues staying healthy and staying on the football field. So, you know, is he draftable? Maybe. Uh, I, I just, I just don't see a guy that that's going to be, you know, a, a starter per se. Very good. Let's get back to uh, Jordan's list at number eight. He's got Eric Watts out of Connecticut. Yeah, Eric Watts blew up the combine today in some respect for considering what he was able to do with his size. And uh, he's another guy that I, it's, you're, you're betting on the traits, the frame, uh, but he's another power rusher. Uh, I mean, there's not, to be quite frank, if I mean, if you turn on Connecticut tape, I know that you've obviously got uh, the guard there and you've got Eric Watts, but there's really not a whole lot of pretty uh, to watch with that UConn tape. But Eric Watts is a guy that stood out um, as, you know, you're, you're, at this point, when you're looking at this, again, this week edge class, you're looking for traits, anything that pops out to you. And um, Eric Watts is a guy that I think showed uh, some unique athleticism that I think showed up today. And inherently, when you were looking at um, his kind of rugged, physical, aggressive style. I thought that that um, could lead to a roster spot somewhere in the NFL. Very good. And at number nine, you've got Miles Cole, who I believe measured at the longest arms in the entire combine that have been measured so far. The guy's got long arms, and he did pretty well today in, in the drills. What do you think, Jordan? Yeah, I mean, I you know, Miles Cole is a guy that I, I when you're talking again about traits, about frame, this is a guy that I couldn't leave off when you're at the bottom of this, you know, even front top ten defensive ends, and he's a guy that you know when you looked at his teammate Tyree Wilson last year that went you know top ten. I'm not at all claiming that he's the same type of player, um, but this is a situation where when you can get you know, even if it's 70% of Tyree Wilson late later in the draft, day three, um, it's hard not to be interested in at least taking a shot at him because of that frame. He's able to be either a strong side defensive end that, again, just kind of bull in a china shop on tackles, or you move him inside and just watch him completely overwhelm guards and centers at that three tech. And again, you saw it test today. He's an explosive athlete for that size. Uh, you know, when we talked earlier about archetypes, don't ask the guy that's as big as Miles Cole to be, you know, Von Miller by any stretch of the imagination. But if you're working with a coach that knows how to use him, I think that he's got a tool set that's very intriguing and interesting um, for an NFL team. Danny, before we unveil Jordan's number 10, why don't you give me your thoughts on Watson Cole? Yeah, it's funny because uh, I don't know if you caught it in, in the, the list I gave you there, uh, Aldo, but I gave you my top 10. I gave you I gave you just missed a list and just missed three players were Will Camaro, Eric Watts and Miles Cole. So the, these guys were guys I, I consider. And again, like Jordan Spain, like we've been saying, you know, at this point of the, of the draft, you're looking at it's a weak class. You're looking at traits, right? And Eric Watts sticks out with his traits at 6'6", 274, 35 plus inch arms. This is what this, what this, you know, this staff loves to see. He's a guy I, I first caught my eye. Again, another guy caught my eye at the senior bowl. Um, you know, he's a guy that, that had, a, was it, I believe seven sacks this year with uh, uh, at, at the UConn. Uh, he's a guy that, that brings that, that, you know, that size that, that they love. Uh, athletically, he didn't look as quick, as fast on tape as he ran today. 
So he tested better than what I saw on, on tape. I, I saw him play against Tennessee. He looked looked pretty good in terms of he wasn't overmatched, but yeah, that first step quickness wasn't there. Um, that, you know that you want to see in that in that, in that edge edge rusher. Uh, but he but he had a one was a one six five uh, ten yard split. So you know some of the things athletically that I did today didn't really quite match the you know the tape that I looked at. But I do I do love the fact that that he's got the the size, got the length. Again, he's a developmental kid. He's a guy you can bring in. He's got a real thin waist, really skinny calves. So it doesn't doesn't really look the part. A little high cut for me. Uh, you know, plays uh, with his pads elevated, so he loses a lot of leverage battles. But what he does do well is he's a guy that's got those long arms, and he's he's, he's a pretty big guy. He does a good job of getting his arms hands up and and, and batting down the ball and and kind of disrupting that passing window for for quarterbacks. So again, we're looking for things here, guys, that you can bring these kids in. Whether it's you know what attributes, whether it's physical, whether it's what's you know athletic attributes that you can come in here and develop these guys. And, and Eric Watts is one of those guys where I I would not be surprised if he does get drafted late day three. And I got a guy like that's kind of probably be on your practice squad and a guy that you're going to develop and, and get stronger in a weight room. Uh, Miles Cole is, is another guy. Production wasn't there, but, you know, the, the size it, with, at 6'6", 278, 36 and 7 eighths in terms of arm length. Again, 4'6", 7'4", 1'6", 5", 10-yard split, a 35-inch vertical. You know, this is a, this is a guy that that really his his tape doesn't match that athletic ability. So um, was at Louisiana Monroe, I believe it was for first four years, transferred to Texas Tech. Um, so you know the production really isn't there, but uh, definitely I got another guy that that's probably going to get drafted because of that that physical those physical traits. And, I, and a defensive line coach is going to say, you know what, I can I can build this guy up and I can make him into a player. Excellent. Good stuff. Let's go to Jordan's number 10. This will make J2K happy, I think. It is Zion Tuapolo Fitui, I want to say. <laughs> Jordan, take it away. <laughs> Good enough, Aldo. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, to me, I, I just think it'd be, I don't want to call it like this is how ridiculous, but a little bit of a lack of respect if you didn't have ZTF on the board, uh, you know, specifically when you're looking at top 10 defense events for the Bears. It, it, again, he's not a player that while you at this point he's been in college for a while he obviously had a devastating achilles injury that he came back from um but i mean i don't know how many people remember this but he was a guy that was talked about with first round hype before that injury and he's a player that uh is physical shows i mean they dropped him a bunch he's kind of that tweener if you will um but he's a guy that shows a relentlessness in his pass rush uh it not again when we're talking about hand usage i'm not talking about advanced like latu that's a different level um but he's a guy that when you're talking about considering who you're drafting, where other guys like Miles Cole are showing you athletic traits, ZTF may not have that, but you're betting on a guy that where he can find a way to stick around is he is ready enough and refined enough that he's never going to carve out a huge big time role, but enough to stick on a roster as a depth second, third wave pass rusher defensive end uh, in a 4-3 scheme. And that's where um, ZTF, you know, obviously an incredibly well-respected by Kalen DeBoer and that Washington staff. And I think that um, he's a guy that will somebody will take a flyer on for what he was at one point and the refined player that he is now from spending so much time in college. Danny? Yeah, ZTF is as Jordan likes to call him. I, I'm not close to him, but I'll, 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 I'll use that right now because I don't feel like saying that, that big long. long <laughs> but... Uh, uh, yeah, he's a guy that, that uh, to me, he's an outside linebacker, uh, a three, four outside linebacker, probably if, in, in his best suited in, in terms of the next level. But the one thing with this kid is, man, whatever energy drink he drinks before the game, and that thing has got him juiced up because this guy is twitching and he's fidgety and he's he's a guy that's that's got some some energy about him. And uh, again, a, a guy that just plays hard. Um, 
and is just all over the football field, relentless motor. Uh, but again, I, I don't think he's a hand in the ground or, or, or four or three defensive. And I think he's more of an outside, you know, three, four outside linebacker, you know, probably more like a special teams player. So, but again, he's a guy that brings that, that buzz, the energy you want on, on a football team. And I, and I, and I would not surprise me to see him, you know, stick, stick on a roster uh, at the next level. J2K informs, informs us that Zian's dad passed uh, the middle of last season. He still played well, they improved. I think there's far more than we've seen. Thanks for that information, J2K. Uh, Jordan, you knew that, right? I did, yeah. I mean, that was a big deal. And uh, obviously, yeah, the, 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 that was when you really got to hear about Kalen DeVore speak about the relationship and the meaning that uh, ZTF had on that Washington Huskies team. And to Danny's point, I mean, the guys like this, that's what I'm saying. There's just enough there where he'll find a way to stick on a roster because not only is he refined enough and feisty enough and scrappy enough, those guys kind of can serve as glue guys. There's mm-hmm. they're guys that, you know, you look at other players like, hey, how is he playing as hard as he is? And you're starting above him. You better be out doing and outputting more effort than what that guy is. And so I think that he he will find a way onto a team for what he uh, the person he is, how he plays, the 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 refinement he has as an edge rusher. Very good. Now you guys have a number of times said uh, it's no secret that this is not a great uh, pass rusher draft, and so clearly. Ryan Pulse is going to have to go into free agency and find some additional pass rush help. Even if he drafts a pass rush in the first round, he's going to need to find somebody else to you know, get that rotation going the way Iberflus likes. So I asked people in the chat about free agency, and we'll take a look at the Spotrax list of available free agents, but I wanted to get both of your thoughts. Uh, and But first, let me ask, Ravi is saying, is Zadarius Smith, who I believe played with the Browns last year, is he a fit uh, potentially for this Bears defense? What do you think, uh, Jordan? Yeah, I think he can. It's not necessarily – I wouldn't say that that's the best use of Zadarius Smith. And at this point, he's kind of a mercenary, and he's got a, a little bit of an injury history. He does fit kind of that strong side defensive end, if that's what they're going for, pocket crushers, real nuisance. But um, to me, I we haven't really seen it. I haven't seen Ryan Pohl's shop um, for older prospects that are maybe past, you know, a little long in the tooth, past their prime. And that's what Zadarius Smith looks like to me at this point. Yeah. Uh, Danny, you got th- thoughts on Smith? Pass. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, although to your point, I, I think they have to go looking at this draft class. I think they will have to go out and, and address this in free agency. Now, you and I have talked about it in terms of you know how much money they've already invested in that defense line with with Montez Sweat. They still need a three technique. You know, so you know maybe money will spend will be on a guy like Leonard Williams. We'll, we'll see how that happens there. But you know, they don't have to go shopping for top tier guys, right? They don't have to go for Daniel Hunter. They don't have to go for guys like, uh, you know, Josh, um, Josh Allen or Josh Allen, the, the pass rusher, not the quarterback or, or Brian Burns, guys like that, that guys like come on top of it. You don't have to go for those guys. You got to go for a second tier, maybe even third tier guys, guys like Bryce Huff, who the jets are not going to franchise tag are not going to sign. He's a guy that's situ- most like a situational pass rusher guy that we've been talking about here. Guy that gets that 10 sacks last year in, in, in a, on a jets defensive line that that's loaded. I got to bring that speed, that energy off the edge guys like that. You know, there, there are some other guys. I, I got the list here real, real quick. Uh, we talked about, you know, there's a guy that, that actually Jonathan Greenyard from, from Houston, he's a guy that really, you know, really came on, uh, last year with, with into his own, I should say with, with, with the Texans. And again, you know, a guy, I think he had 12 and a half sacks, if I'm not mistaken there, Jordan, uh, really came on. So again, another guy who's playing that four man front could be, could be someone that, that could, you know, come in here and at that second tier, you know, I, I don't expect him 
uh, Jonathan Greenard to make, make, you know, big money there. So we'll see if I could be wrong that the cap went up at 30 million for everybody. So we'll see how that goes there. So, uh, but you might also dip into that third tier, right? And, and a guy that people might cringe and say, no, 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 we don't want that. But just hear me out here. A guy like Leonard Floyd, right? Leonard Floyd, once he's left Chicago, has been a, a pretty consistent pass rusher, right? Between eight to 12 sacks from his time with the Rams and a time with, with the Bills. Leonard Floyd's defensive line coach is now the defensive coordinator here in Chicago and Eric Washington. So that could be a connection there as well. So, you know, you need a guy that's going to come in and give you consistent pressure. If he gives you eight or 10 sacks, great. That's what you need. And again, you just you just want to buy time to maybe in the next year's draft, you can go ahead and address that as a permanent solution as Ed Rusher. But a, a guys like that is what you're trying to look for. You can't go out there and, and probably spend big money ticket on, on guys like Josh Allen and Brian Burns and Daniel Hunter because you already paid Montez Sweat. You need that three technique still. You might have to go in and get that there as well out of free agency. We'll see what happens. But you know, guys like that is, is what I'm looking for. And I do think they will need to address uh, Ed Rusher in free agency because, like I said, Jordan and I have been talking about all night, you know, the, the, after those three guys, you know, if you don't have any second round picks, that's going to be hard to get one of those other guys there. So I, I think it's it, that one pick obviously will be a quarterback, we think. And number nine, if they stay there, it's got to be a receiver. If all the three receivers are gone, you get one of those offensive linemen. Yeah, yeah Jordan, it, there's $40 million in the, uh, additional dollars in the salary cap. Uh, traditionally, it goes up 10 to $20 million. Uh, and so – Maybe Danny is wrong in that perhaps Ryan Post is going to say, you know what? I am in love with Daniil Hunter. I can get him at a two-year deal, three-year deal, and uh, front load the dollars. And, and do, Can you potentially see a big free agent defensive end signing at Daniil Hunter? You know the thing, Aldo, is you absolutely can, but I don't. I wouldn't do it. And I certainly don't. I don't get the sense that Ryan Poles would be so uh, fiscally irresponsible too. I mean, you see a guy that just gave a boatload of money to Montez Sweat, and the reason I say you can do it is because if you're going to go draft that rookie quarterback, anything's possible. You can add whoever you want. You can load up with Khalil Max and Joey Bosa's and everything else that is available out there. I mean, I think a guy like Joey Bosa, for example, could be available on the cheap for a trade um, because I do think that you know places like the Chargers need to need to offload some players. But um, to me, I'm with Danny on this. I'm not looking to shop in the the top A A plus market here. I'm looking at guys like John Grenard, who Jonathan Grenard. I do think he probably will be retained. If I'm Houston, I don't know why the hell I'd let two good. I have just got one defensive end that's solid in Will Anderson, and I got another in Grenard that's developing. Why the hell would I want to split that up? So um, to me, Bryce Huff is a guy that you know we were talking earlier about Chop Robinson. I don't want to spend anything near what Chop Robinson's going to end up getting drafted when I can get a guy that's very similar to him in Bryce Huff. For I would have sent a third round pick to the Jets last year for Bryce Huff. That's how much I think of the guy. Um, so he's much more of a DPR. But I look at guys like and I know that these are not sexy names, but Shaq Lawson is a decent player um, that can come in. Leonard Floyd's another one. Uh, you know, some interesting ones that are probably real bottom of the barrel. But James Houston from the Detroit Lions. I know he's a much slimmer, thinner guy, but the production is there when he plays. He makes an impact on pass rush. So uh, to me, I think I'd be shopping much more in that budget market. And there's the good news is kind of different from this draft class is you have uh, the, the flavors that you're looking for. You want speed guys, they're available. James Houston, Bryce Huff. You want powerful kind of brick house guys. You got guys like Yeter Gross Matos, Shaq Lawson. You want kind of those tweeners. You got guys like Leonard Floyd, Daniel Hunter. Um, so, again, I think that there's options. But, you know, when, when we're talking about guys like Josh Allen and certain players like that, I don't – Grenard even – I don't think they make it out of their teams. Good edges are too valuable. You don't watch them go unless you're a team like the Jets where you have so many that you have to let 
uh, a guy like Huff walk. And to me, I think if we're talking about if I had one guy, I'm kind of, and again, this is, I'm with Danny on this, this whole point tonight is I'd like to see them have a speed rusher. I just don't think that that's what they're after. I've, I've, we've not seen them try to go get a guy like that unless it was Yannick Ngakwe. And the last time they did, it kind of burned them. So I'm not sure that they'd want to go again after that. Interesting. And I uh, got to give it to J2K. He is slamming his fist on the table. He says, we, we've got the money. Why not go after a big-time signing and get a championship defense in, uh, in this year? Sign Daniil Hunter. And then he adds, send, sign uh, Julian Blackman at the, the free safety position. You know, he, he, he does make a, a, a good case here, I think. If you've got the money this year, you know, maybe you make a run at, a, at uh, making the playoffs and going deep into the playoffs by signing some talent on short-term deals. I mean, if, if you're going to go big, why don't you go for younger guys? Like, you know, like Brian Burns at 26 mm-hmm. and, uh, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, and Josh Allen, which I, I don't believe that the Jaguars are going to, are going to franchise them. We'll see, but, you know, go after those, those big things. I rather than Hunter's 29, you know, he, he's had a, a pretty good career in Minnesota, but it just, it's for me, I, just, I rather go for the younger guys, you know, and, uh, um, you know, another guy, AJ Espinosa. You know, he's a guy that that's that's a, another free agent from Buffalo. That you know, uh, more of a power rusher. But again, another young guy, 25 years old. Eric Washington is here. He knows him. I just have a feeling that one of those guys, whether it's Floyd or Espinosa, are going to end up in, in Chicago somewhere or one way or another. Because you also have to go get a, another defensive tackle as well. And Leonard Williams, the guy from Seattle, is a guy that I've I've kind of caught my eye on there and see what they do there with him. Yeah, I mean, real quick, Aldo, you've got you've got three different tackles, and this is what Danny's really alluding to: is Eric Washington coming over? That Buffalo defensive line got all basically ransacked. They're all hitting free agency this year. Um, you've got Shaq Lawson, who's played some time with Buffalo. You've got Leonard Floyd, who's now played a year with Buffalo. You've got Ampanessa, who's got a year with Buffalo, and then even a guy like Taquan Lewis, who came from the Colts. That's a guy that Eberflus knows, um, who's hit the market. So, to the, to the point that I think Danny and I are talking about, you're going to see a situation where these B level, C level markets where I, I, I just imagine Ryan Pohl is going to say, let me take a few dart throws at a couple defensive ends um, in case I want to just go use that number nine or 10 or whatever pick for a receiver. And then by the time I come back in round three, I'm not going to have many edges. So maybe I'll take a late round swing on like a Miles Cole or something, but I'm just going to fill up on BC level free agents. Yeah, my, my, my thing is, and th- let me know if you guys think this is, this is you know, accurate. I'm, I'm way off the wall here, but, you know, the, the unit that that's closer in, ter- in terms of being complete right i'd say it's defense correct so so go spend the the free engine money to put your defense over the top right what resign jalen jack jalen johnson bring in an edge guy bring in a defensive defensive uh interior defense alignment now use your draft capital to help build that young offense and build around your young quarterback okay whether it's a receiver at number nine you know this is a deep deep draft in terms of interior offensive linemen you know get an get an interior offensive lineman in a third round if you don't get a, a second round pick or whatever you know build and get another receiver later on in the draft you know build your 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 offense to the draft and build your defense that it's ready to go ready to compete now with, with veteran free agents J2K is wondering where else are we going to spend our cap space on? Well, you got you, you got to allocate, you know, fifteen to twenty million off the cap for the re-signing of Jalen Johnson, um, and uh, you you've got to spend some money potentially on an offensive lineman as well. Uh, so, if you're going to make a run at a championship and you're going to draft a young quarterback, you certainly want to do the most that you can to protect that quarterback. So. I would I would consider signing a big ticket 
Swanky was talking about this earlier that he think he think he would put a higher priority on improving the offensive line than on finding a pass rusher in the draft. Through, you could do that through the draft, though. The the draft is is deep in offensive linemen, so that's why you mm-hmm. you attack the offense via the draft to build to grow with your young quarterback, and then free agent money you go and and kind of solidify your defense in whatever spots, whether it's the free safety and Blackman, like what's one guy that J two K mentioned, the guy I brought up before that I like, you know, an edge guy. An interior defensive lineman and, and solidify the defensive line with free money and, and just you know fortify your offense with 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 you know and, and especially like receiver is a deep class this year uh, interior offensive line offensive line in general is, is a deep class this year you know fortify that with with the draft capital you have great stuff guys uh and, and one final point is you know the whole it looks like we're not going to trade the number one pick the bears only have six picks now, they have the most value points if you use the uh, Rich Hill draft chart uh, model. They've got 1,513 points with only those six picks, and that's primarily because they got a one and, a, and, and the ninth, the first and the ninth of the first round. Um, but I was, you know, I, I, I'm still in the, in the camp of building around Justin Fields, giving him the weapons and seeing him improve. Uh, but if that's not going to be the case, uh, now you've only got six draft picks unless you trade that number, that ninth pick down to accumulate more draft capital. Uh, and I'm not sure I like that idea. I like the idea. I, I, I'd give up my second round pick for the ninth pick in the first round. I mean, that ninth pick of the first round is our second rounder, and it is valuable. It is super valuable. So that I don't think there's going to be much in the in terms of – Draft assets for the Bears with only nine, nine. Uh, excuse me, with only six picks. Your thoughts? Well, what the hope is is you know, and, and again, I'm on the same camp with, with you. Although is, is is keeping Justin building around Justin, but I think that that ship has sailed, unfortunately. So we'll see. We'll you know, we'll see what happens. But if uh, that nine pick, what what your hope is 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 one of these quarterback needy teams is desperate enough, whether it's Oakland at 13, whether it's Denver at 12. You know, Minnesota, I believe at 11, that that's, sees a quarterback, maybe Jordan's quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, sitting out there, and they say, all right, we want to go get him. And, and that's where Ryan Poles can then strike a deal where he get he drops down to that that mid, you know, early, you know, f- first half of, of the first round and he recoups that second round pick, maybe even more to add to some of that. Some of that. I mean, we've seen Ryan Poles work, you know, work you know, in, in, his, in his two draft classes. He comes out with, you know, that first one, I think only had like what six picks came out with 12 of them or something like that, 12 or 13 picks in that first, that first draft. And then, um, mm-hmm. you know, last year, I think did the same thing kind of wheel and deal and gain some more, some more picks as well. So I, I don't think they're going to come out with six picks. I think they'll come out with more than six picks, but I think that number nine pick is where he can play with it because again, depending on what they're targeting, whether it's a receiver, whether it's a, it's a, it's an edge guy, uh, where there's an offensive lineman, right? So if if you if the, one of those quarterback needy teams are desperate enough to come up and give you something good, I think you, I can see him trading down from that and then recouping some more picks there. Jordan, any final thoughts on this topic? Yeah, I think Danny really hit it to me. Uh, if if you're Ryan Poles, the best thing that could happen to you is well, one, I mean, I, I may differ from you gentlemen a little bit. I think that I'm hoping that I can get a few teams in on the bid for Justin Fields, and I'm hoping I can basically call Montez Sweat free when I get a second round pick for Justin Fields. Um, that would be ideal, um, but as far as, you know, what you can leverage, I'm kind of with Danny now. I said if I had to take one defensive end at nine, it would be Jared Verse. But I'm much more in Danny in the sense that these guys all belong in that 15, 16, 17 pick range. Um, so what you're really hoping for is that you're wishing and hoping that I can start a bidding war with Minnesota, Vegas, 
and uh, who's that? Who's the tenth team? You have uh, Denver. 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 Thank you. Yeah, it's Denver, Minnesota, uh, and then Vegas. Where if I can get one of them to go, hey, and, and it could be McCarthy, it could be Knicks. I mean, you know, everybody's got their own flavor. But if I can get one of them to jump up, um, that's really a good way to go because you know they're inherently they all need one, and there's not they're not going to be a lot of answers. I mean, really, if you're looking at free agency, maybe it's Kirk Cousin, maybe it's 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 Jacoby Brissett, it's Justin Fields. There's really not a ton, so there's no way that I see the Raiders, the Broncos, and the Vikings filling all those needs. So you're hoping that you can get those two to two of those teams to play against each other and go. Well, I have to jump up to nine because if I don't, you're going to snag my quarterback. Great stuff, gentlemen. Uh, Jordan, we usually have our guest on for 30 to 60 minutes. We've doubled up on your time. You've been very generous with it. Totally, totally appreciate it. And your top-notch evaluation. I love it when you and Danny disagree. I, you know, I, I, I'm typically the type of guy that brings the family together. But uh, on draft shows, I, I want to see debates. <laughs> and you guys brought it today. So thank you very much, Jordan. Thank you so much. Aldo, Danny, I very much appreciate it. You two gentlemen are wonderful and uh, very gracious with your time. And thank you so much for the opportunity. Glad to talk shop. You got it. Danny, any final words before we pull the plug on this edition of Draft on Tap? No, just going back to the tape. Uh, next week, we'll have another position group we're going to break down for you. And, and then, uh, you know, going back to the combine and see what happens. Uh, obviously, Saturday is a big day with, with the quarterbacks. I know Caleb is not going to be throwing neither with Jaden uh, Daniels nor uh, Drake May, but uh, you know McCarthy will be out there throwing. Michael Penix will be out there throwing, and uh, Bornix will be out there throwing. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But uh, you know we talked about you know drawing interest in that number nine pick. That that's the way to do it. If these quarterbacks go out there and have you know you know pretty good days in terms of throwing. Uh, that helps only going to help the Bears and generate some interest in some of the other teams. Hopefully trading up and, and offering them that second round pick or more to trade up. So we'll see what happens. Great, gentlemen. Thank you very much. It's Baseball Talk tomorrow afternoon with Vinny Parisi and Joe Mandel. And then uh, tomorrow night, it is the Willis Twin Towers podcast. They'll take you through more of the Combine stuff. And it's a great show to interact with those guys and get some conversations going. So I hope you will join them live uh, here on our YouTube channel. That is it for this edition of Draft on Tap. My name is Aldo Gandia for Danny Shimon and Jordan Silvera. Good night, everybody.